Welcome to the Cincy Postcast. I'm your host, Kevin Wallace, and before we dive into today's episode, I want to tell you about our friends at the Empanadas Box. The Empanadas Box is a small, family-owned restaurant owned by natives of Buenos Aires, Argentina, and they have Argentine-style empanadas with 22 other globally-inspired flavors available every single day. Looking for a suggestion? Well, how about the Oktoberfest empanada with bratwurst from LK Sausage? It also has cabbage, carrots, onion, and mustard that is only available in the month of September. Their empanadas are available for dine-in and carry-out, but the pro move here is to get a box of frozen ones to take home. You can also find them in your favorite food delivery app. You can check them out online at theempanadasbox.com or check the link down in the description. You can find more information there, including information on their catering options for lunches, parties, and more. And a special offer to listeners of the Postcast, well, they're offering 10% off your order at their Covington, Kentucky location if you mention the Postcast at checkout. They're at 212 West Pike Street in Covington, and I am happy to report that the staff there are incredibly nice and the Food is top notch. If you've been listening to the postcast, you know we've been talking these guys up well before they were a sponsor of the postcast. So again, special thanks to the Empanadas Box. Incredible folks there. And if you go to their Covington, Kentucky location, they'll get you 10% off for mentioning the postcast. Acosta with a nutmeg to get around Melanda. Now Acosta gets around another defender. Lucho charging forward to the 18. Lucho wants a goal, and Lucho has the goal! The captain dances his way down the pitch, and there's your exclamation point. Joining me to talk about all of that and more are two gentlemen who also were just, I don't know, minds blown on Saturday night. I've got the Chief. I've got Grayson. Gentlemen, have we still are are we still recovering or have we recovered from that night? Chief, I go to you. I don't know. Vibes. <laughs> incredible. Just immaculate vibes right now. Oh. Get right. That was get right right there. Cause there was, you know, in the first half, they were they were dominating that first half, creating chances, but they weren't scoring. And wow. I said and, you know, I put out there online that like when you're playing a bad team or a team that's inferior to you, you've got to score that goal and put the pressure on them and then go run away. Yes. Because the longer you let a bad team or a mediocre team linger in a game, um, the more you put yourself at the whim of chance, of luck of a banger and it just it felt like it had been too long since this team had gone up gotten up and not worried about sweating a result out and yeah. that's the kind of win right there that gives you confidence about a playoff run for this team or about you know taking care of their business down the stretch with the shield and yeah just everything about last night just awesome Grayson how how are we feeling Sunday evening, a little peek behind the curtain. Sunday evening as we're recording this. How are you feeling at this point in time? So um, <clears throat> I uh, I unfortunately was not able to make the game last night. So oh. as as the game was ending, oh. 
uh, everybody who had been there was talking about how, you know, this is a top one experience of watching <laughs> FC Cincinnati in MLS. <laughs> and um, I'll tell you what, it's a little different um, on your on your phone. <laughs> at uh, <laughs> while the Ohio State Notre Dame game is going on, <laughs> but um, I did get a chance to rewatch, and having gone through some of the calls of the Lucho goal, having heard the stadium noise, especially after his goal, and after um, after he got got subbed out, and as he's walking off the field, you can hear the chants of MVP. MVP. Mm-hmm. Um, it does feel like we've seen maybe the first glimpse of what this team can be still this season. Because yes, yeah. they didn't finish early. But if you play a game like that, you're almost never going to lose. Yeah. And there will be games, yeah, yeah, where they're not hitting their they're not hitting their shots and they win one two nothing or they tie um but if you play like that there's also going to be games you win six seven nothing which which this game could have been yeah yeah like you add up all of the i don't bad misses right the the obvious misses and and we'll certainly talk about some of those and, and the, then the the near misses i i can't think of lucho's bicycle kick as like the greatest what if goal for fcc in terms of yeah, what this game would have looked like let's definitely <laughs> talk about the what ifs of that later on but <laughs> yes um, but this is a game where i do have that apprehension when they're not scoring early mhm but this was a game where it that Nervousness was all about what Charlotte might do. Right. At no point was it about anything Charlotte actually was doing. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the other thing about this game, too, just as like a big picture thing, is that I have humility about this game because as an FC Cincinnati fan, I have been on the other side of this game sure. a lot. <laughs> yes. Where it just felt like we were playing with an extra man the entire game where the ball was always pinging around to an open person. There were runs being made that were unchecked. There were bailout chances being stopped because we were always in dangerous positions the entire game. And I just, I appreciate and I want to acknowledge that it must be awful to be a Charlotte FC fan right now. And I know that because that was us two, three years ago. Yeah. We're flattering ourselves a little bit. (laughs) We are flattering (laughs) ourselves a little bit by saying that was us. They, they are very likely to make the playoffs. I think they still have a good shot. And I want to dispel, let's dispel this notion that Charlotte FC is a bad team. Charlotte FC, but for one of the dumber plays of their season, would have beaten Philly Union last last yeah. Wednesday two to yeah. one. Yeah, there there um, goes little there goes little Grayson right there, a noun, a verb, <laughs> using his canned line. 
Oh, no, I, uh, up in 215, uh, where I watched this game across the aisle from me. I was in an aisle seat, so over in two, I think it would have been 14 over that direction. Uh, directly across from me, two Charlotte fans in their their cleanest, nicest uh, Charlotte kits. and uh, Brand new. And, they transplants from Charlotte, just found out they had a team. I, yeah, right. I, I, never, I never talked to them. I gave them a, a half-hearted boo when they, when they walked up to their seats. And then as the game was going on, I didn't even look at him i just felt so bad for him that like look, if they you traveled, look over there and just like hey been there man yeah. been there oh, you can't you oh. can't feel bad for opposing fans oh. you simply can't okay yeah you and signed I, up for this by coming here i've learned this lesson personally twice as an opposing fan okay the first the first was at arrowhead stadium Mm. Um, oh, at yes. the uh, afc championship game when my kansas city fan seatmates gave us some of their airplane bottles of shots because the Bengals were down so bad and they just felt bad that we had traveled so far to see our team lose. Um, I bet they regretted that later. <laughs> and, then, um, and then the other, frankly, was in, was in Philly last weekend. Yeah. You know, like, I think I was getting a lot of like, oh, you guys are still doing, doing fine comments yeah. at halftime. And you're having a nice yeah. season. Uh, yeah. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we are. Having a nice game, too, as it turns out. Just just an incredible evening. And it was so nice to see it all all come together like this was obviously this was the the lucho match after the lucho week that was with the ads in the newspaper, the press conferences, the contract extension that it eventually all led to uh just incredible going into this uh you had bupenza and acosta seemingly work out a lot of whatever that was and maybe it was nothing uh maybe it was just rust and and some gel needing uh to happen but um no that everything was just coming together working and i'll run through the lineup here in a moment there is a a presence on the back line here that I have no doubts he would have played better if he was there, but it wasn't really missing Matt Miazga in this one. We we finally saw the maturity of this back line that we haven't seen this season up until this point. We are typically missing something when he's not back there. Um, wasn't this good? the back line that we had in at least one of it? Maybe DC. That sounds right. So like I know we've this, seen this backline be bad before. Yes, yes. Is the point I'm making, right? Absolutely. I, I couldn't tell you exactly which game, but yes, that is the answer. Uh, we're good to run through the lineup here. I think it's a good yeah, starting point here. Um, so your lineup was essentially the same lineup from the previous match, but <laughs> trade Miazga for Mosquera. So you've got Celentano in goal, Ian Murphy, uh, Mosquera, and Haglin across the back line, Barial out wide on the left, Arias on the right, Wobodo, Moreno, and Acosta making up that midfield. Uh, triangle. Wow, I know my shapes with Bupenza and Vasquez up top. And I mean, from the jump, I saw at least about two minutes into this game, two instances 
of Charlotte time wasting. And that just sort of <laughs> set the tone for how Charlotte was going to be approaching this game, which was like, if we escape with a draw, we will be very lucky and, yeah. and happy with that. That's their game plan. Their <laughs> game plan they, going they into this. Yeah. Yeah. Is that their game plan going into this was we're going to cynically try to score one goal and win a one nothing game. And everything about the way they played in the first half was indicative of that. But credit to FC Cincinnati and credit to this lineup. You didn't notice Miazga wasn't out there because Ian Murphy had an incredible game. Yurson uh, Mascara had an incredible game. Clean, no cards, and immediately forward uh, pressing, attacking, looking to hit strike early and get that first goal. So they could they tried to time waste, but you got to have the ball to time waste. And <laughs> they didn't see a lot of the ball in any sort of a threatening position for the majority of this game. Yeah, this this game. I mean, it's funny, too, like Charlotte does end up with a lot of the possession for sure. But this was like the M.O. of what. FCC was doing, you know, the early part of the summer, mid part of the summer, which was going into these games happy with 30% of the possession, letting these teams ping it around the back, the the pressure, forcing the long balls, and then breaking on the counter. And that's how this game went. That like this Charlotte played directly into what FCC was looking to do. It was just for the first whatever it was, 40 minutes or so, it just wasn't leading into a goal, right? Like it wasn't turning into a uh, uh, an actual well, it's, it's, goal. It's important, it's important to note it's the possession that Charlotte had in this game was lowercase p possession, where <laughs> yes. there was a lot of possession where it was ostensibly Charlotte's ball, but only because FC Cincinnati hadn't yet stepped forward to take it. Or right. balls where it would go down in the ledger as Charlotte possession. But the pass they were making was to a person who was immediately about to be dispossessed. And the play was being funneled to somebody to be dispossessed to where it was already our ball. They just didn't know it yet. And the stats won't reflect that. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. Some sites, some very uh, sophisticated sites will do a sort of like uh, three-way possession. So they'll, they'll give the actual team possession and then a, um, I forget the the phrase they use, but it's like contested or or between or something like that. I'd be curious to see how, how different the possession stats are on a site trying to track something like that in this game. Because I agree, there was there was a lot of you know, phantom possession for, for Charlotte. I was surprised that they had as much on the official stats as they did. I I really felt like FCC had the majority of the ball for the majority of the game, and yet that is not how the stats bore this one out. Yeah, the Um, XG on FOTMOB, it's it's over three to us. 0.53 to Charlotte. And like you said, like I'm I'm hard-pressed to see you know right. where Charlotte's point five three comes from. Um, it does say they had one big chance. Um, fine. I can't. It must have come <laughs> at the very end of the game. That's all I can think about. Because they they were. I mean they they did the classic thing where they they throw all the numbers forward. We were happy to sit back and defend it. And I think that for me is sort of the story of the first half. Is this backline snuffed out? 
everything. It was one of the most smothering defensive performances we've ever seen for FC Cincinnati. And again, missing, if not the winner, a finalist for Defensive Player of the Year. And the defense was this good. It was so, so good. Yeah, the first half was dominated by Obino Woboto. Yes. He was everywhere on the field in the first half. Between him and the back line keeping Carol Swiderski in their back pocket the entire time, there was no space. There was no ability to play anything for Charlotte. And when they did find themselves trying to counter with odd man breaks, Wobodo or Mascara was always tracking back to chase down anytime there was an opportunity. And they just didn't have chances. It was... It was an incredibly disciplined affair from FC Cincinnati. And importantly, too, with that uh, d- defense, something you can't say a lot this year, no cards. Yes. No uh, disciplinary infractions, no uh, bad challenges, no horror tackles. It was such a clean effort defensively. I think part of that is because it was a well-officiated game, which I'm going to say as a biased Whoa. FC Cincinnati fan when they're not when they're not throwing <laughs> and spamming bullshit cards at us. But it was just an incredibly clean and efficient defensive effort. And to win the ball that often and snuff out that many attacks and not concede a card, that's just you are playing at a high level. And this is sort of like the level that we know this team can play at defensively when everyone is playing together and when they're getting best efforts out of guys like Hagland, out of Ian Murphy, out of Junior Moreno, sort of the unsung heroes of the defense this year. Yeah. And I'll give I'll give credit to the referee as well. Whoa. Um, And what I what I want to point out is, you know, Orlando didn't really have a lot of cards either. Um, I know they had two at halftime for um, for descent after the first goal, but I don't I don't recall, you know, if Orlando had many others. But it was it was nevertheless, despite the lack of yellow cards, yeah, a pretty well under controlled game. Yeah, yeah, and that shows you a referee that that is you know self possessed enough. To just call the game, like it was, it was yeah. really never. He was the center of attention. Um, nothing yeah. ever spiraled into these like big fights or big confrontations or anything. People complained here and there, as they do. Yeah, but it just goes to show that, like, if you if you call a game and you operate with the appropriate earned authority. Yes. You don't got to be throwing around 20 cards a game. Right. No. Right. And it's not even it's not even cards too. It's that we've all seen these games where teams are looking to see what they can get away from in terms of drawing right. fouls, drawing contact. And there were three instances, two or three instances early in this game where Charlotte was testing that to see what level of ref show they could devolve this game into. Because make no mistake, when you're the inferior team, the ref show benefits the inferior team in almost every circumstance. (laughs) So early in this game, I want to say it was about maybe seven, eight minutes in, there's a call for a penalty on Junior Moreno, an appeal for a penalty on Moreno, where it is an absolute dive in the box. Um, It should have been a card for simulation. I'm not going to fault for that. But 
that's an opportunity and that's sort of a pivot point in this game where I have seen shitty refereeing that would have awarded the penalty in that spot and you would have been at the mercy of VAR there. Yep. About 10 minutes later, going down the right-hand side, there's another just direct dive um, for a called-for foul. I believe it was on Nick Hagland, I want to say, or mm-hmm. Santi Arias. And again, the referee's like, there's absolutely nothing in that. No. And from that point onward, it looked like Charlotte realized we're not going to be getting the bullshit from this guy, so yep. there's no point in trying. And that's the impact of good refereeing early in a game is that it cuts this bullshit off versus in previous games we've seen, like the Orlando game was a great example where the ref doesn't take that control early in the game and the entire game devolves into shithousery because they know that it's going to be rewarded with a whistle and with a call. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the, The only controversial moment I can even think of was I believe it was Lucha was sort of like horse collar tackled and it was no called and then Waboto did the same to a Charlotte player and they called it (laughs) it's like that was the most egregious moment of the game which was I don't know every three minutes in the average MLS game. So whatever, like that was totally fine. Also, Chief, to your point, I saw this elsewhere. I've not gone back to verify it, but it feels right. So I feel confident saying it. This was the first FCC game without a card against FC Cincinnati. That was according to random person on the internet. So there you go. Well, that sounds that sounds obvious and, and true. You know, part <laughs> of it also was. There were several really nice tackles that Obi was allowed to make. Yes. That other MLS referees frequently call fouls. Yeah. And it's like the one, like there was one, for example, where he ran up behind a Charlotte player and was able to slide and get his foot in between the player's legs and knock the ball loose, right? Yes. That, that is, but that, that's perfectly clean tackle. No contact with the player. MLS referees call that a foul all the time on him. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. There was even one uh, later in the game, Charlotte uh, slide tackled Lucho in much the same way. It was sort of like a slide tackle from behind, but it was so slow that Lucho sort of ran into it and lost the ball. It was it was a very clever tackle, but it was a slide tackle from behind. And there was like a moment's hesitation, I feel like, on the field. It was like, ah! Oh, no, it's clean. Okay, we're good. We're good. I was just like, yeah, hell yeah, man. Like, this is really nice to see. So, no, I I think before we before we really get over our skis with giving this ref credit, I do want to say that part of the reason why this was a cleanly officiated game was that it was a cleanly played game. Yes. There was no point in this game where FC Cincinnati lost composure, where they committed stupid fouls, where they committed frustration fouls. Mm -hmm. Part of that is borne out by the fact that they were on the front foot literally from (laughs) jump in this game. Right. And there wasn't a need to ever be in a position. There were very few opportunities where they felt like they needed to do something to foul or create a professional fouling situation or make a bailout fouling situation. So I don't want to give all the credit to the officials. It was just a very, very well-played game defensively. And in terms of the press being effective as well, by doing that effectively, by dispossessing effectively without fouling, it allowed them to create numerous chances in this game where you were shocked that they weren't up one, two before you get to the first goal of the game. Yeah. Yeah. And and if we're going to also, you know, give the ref credit for not calling the penalty. Um, that the Orlando player was calling for for the next like minute and a half. 
The bulk you of that the credit. Charlotte player, to be clear. Sorry, yeah, Charlotte player. <laughs> okay, I just want to make sure we're talking about um, the right game. <laughs> you you got to give, you know, the bulk of that credit to Moreno. Yes. For making, for just standing his ground so well and not kicking in, you know, not giving the ref any reason to call a penalty on him there. Yeah. I do yeah. want to say Moreno did do the hands up thing. And I yeah. hate the hands up thing <laughs> because I immediately assume you're guilty when you start protesting that you didn't do anything. So that would be my only criticism of that defensive moment from Junior Moreno early in the first half. Yeah. Yeah. The hands up is never good unless you go into it with hands up, which then is like super weird. So why are you doing that? Um, yeah. No, the, the, I think we can talk about at least in the first half, a couple of misses. Um, Bupenza had one off of his head that I maybe it's unfair to criticize, but man, in the moment, it really felt like he could have redirected that. He had another mm-hmm. one that was called back, I think, for being offside, or maybe they called him a foul on there's him. A foul in the, there's a foul in the buildup, I believe. But man, dead player not, it really should have scored that goal. <laughs> that was so frustrating to see him just uh, put that one two, three yards wide. And then I, I'll say the greatest miss of all time, Lucho Acosta's attempted bike. Uh, I guess it's not a, a miss, but more of a save. But um, yeah, that that bicycle kick was just pure Lucho in that like it is equal parts an incredible feat of soccer and just like pure entertainment and just like totally unnecessary, which is adds to the overall fun factor of what you're watching. And that is just so much of what what he does out there. And it was so yeah. it was a it was a Lucho fi- Lucho FIFA moment because like that's the type of move that is only possible in a video game where the character <laughs> is going to do whatever you press the button to do, regardless of if the physics support him being able to do that or not. Um, he's surrounded by two players. He has maybe generously 18 inches of space to get himself in the air, turn his foot over to redirect the ball over his head onto frame. Physics. And a lifetime of experience tell me that shouldn't be possible. (laughs) And I don't know what's crazier that he actually got the ball on frame from that position and forced a great save from the keeper or that his brain decided that was a good idea (laughs) in the first place. I can't decide what's more bananas. So there was a Charlotte player who threw his hands up after Lucha's thing, like as if he was calling for a foul. Yeah. And I could understand how in the moment you um, feel that, you know, it's a high kick or whatever, because people sure. are too close to him. But like, <laughs> I can't think of a more lame ass thing to do <laughs> is to call for a foul on a bicycle kick when nobody got hit. Right. Like, come on, man. You just got you just got owned. And now you're like limping away, pretending <laughs> like you got hurt, uh, which which happens again later. but. Right. Um, but he, so here's the so here's the what if I want to throw out, please. If Lucho makes the bicycle kick. Yes. Does he pass to either Baji oh. or Bupenza <laughs> in his run up? No. And what no. a storyline no, it, it is. If it's he passes. His night. 
Yes. It's his night. He's not there is no circumstance. <laughs> he could have scored five in the first half. He's not passing that ball. He might shoot <laughs> earlier, actually, is what happens. <laughs> no, to, do, your, to your yeah. point, to your point about the the lamest thing ever. <laughs> it's the functional equivalent of the guy who, you know, gets dunked on so heinously in an NBA game that his head is in some dude's nuts because the guy is jumping over him physically and then asking for a charge on that. That's so what Lucho was attempting to do there in a certain sense was he was attempting to posterize someone in a soccer game. And I am all for that in all circumstances. And I don't care how high his foot gets. I don't care yeah, if he kicks him either. in the head. No, that's, it can't be. He's a little dude. That's going. Yeah, he's like, what, six foot, or six foot, four foot 11? Like, come on now. He can't, it can't possibly be a high kick. That's literally impossible. <laughs> man, I just, I mean, we'll obviously talk about it later, but man, what a storyline if he passes to Bupenza or Baji. Can you imagine if he passes it to Baji there? Oh, that'd, no. that'd be restarting the whole controversy all over again. Yeah, um, but, um, uh, yeah so just again, <laughs> like calling calling for a foul in that situation lame. is such a bust That's embarrassing. Have some it's a bust have some, move. Have some pride. Oh, speaking of, in the uh, 45th, dare I say, 46th minute, Alvaro. Oh, oh, oh before we get to Alvaro, there was another okay. miss that I want to talk about. Oh, and please, please. So there is a moment in this game where uh, Barial makes an incredible pass around. It's a bending ball from the wing that mm. Vasquez can't get a foot on. It falls to Bapenza. And it is only because someone comes diving out of the middle of nowhere oh, yeah. that Bapenza doesn't have a goal. So there's that miss from Bapenza. Earlier that. in the first half, there is a through ball that is fed through to Vasquez. And he's one-on-one with the keeper. He gets no elevation on the ball. And the keeper is able to make a save um, within just like that 1v1 situation. I bring this up for two reasons. Number one, there were multiple opportunities for this team to win this game, like five to six to nothing. Yeah. Um, The other thing that I want to bring up, and I want to sort of get this out there, dispense, dispense with this narrative, dispel this narrative. I am seeing it out there that Brandon Vasquez is having a bad game or having a bad run of games. And I just don't see it. The results aren't there in terms of the final touch. Look, I'm the first person that says I was going to say the strikers <laughs> strikers are paid to score goals. It's a it's a make miss league. It's a binary situation. You're either scoring goals or you're not scoring goals. Having said that, he doesn't need to in a game like this. Yeah. Don't you dare through you. Don't you fucking dare. <laughs> Somehow the chief returned. Um I know it, it, it wasn't his best game in the world. No. Was it his best game in the world? No. But he was getting into dangerous opportunities. He had multiple good instances of hold up play. He had a couple really, really good challenges and dribbles and playthroughs. And if you watch these games, they are asking Vasquez to do a lot of different things. Now that they have Bupenza and Acosta on the field together, and when the three of them are on the field together, 
they are frequently asking, and if you watch these games, Vasquez to drop in uh, to the midfield yeah. or to move out wide. And just I, I am imploring people before they start in on the Vasquez is having bad games. Vasquez is not playing well. I implore people to just watch what Brandon Vasquez is doing because he is doing so much more and is is showing off a type of positional flexibility that I am I am certain has teams in Europe salivating at being able to do different things with the ball. And this year from Vasquez, he has been a much more dynamic player than the dude last year who would donkey foot every touch. And unless he was fed the ball directly in front of goal, really didn't have a lot of other things to offer on this. So I just I want to put that out there. I want that to be out there right now. Watch what Vasquez is doing before you start laying into him as what's going on, what's wrong with him. Yeah, if you're if your scouting report on Vasquez is he's is that he's just a big guy with an extremely heavy touch who taps in balls in front of goal. You gotta watch. You gotta, you gotta watch more games. You know he he's been dropping back a lot, and um, you know his touch is. Does he have you know the best touch on the team? No, but does he occasionally? Does he make you know really nice touches? And does he make things happen off of you know his hold up play and receiving the ball and um, being part of the build up? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, it was it was a great game for all three of Lucho, Vasquez and Bupenza, all doing different things to help this team win. Even in the first half, there was uh, a one play where Charlotte had a, an odd man break and Bupenza is trucking back at dead at a dead sprint mm-hmm. back to play defense and stops Charlotte from having an opportunity to center the ball in, square the ball in and have an opportunity on Celentano. It was just they are they have dynamic players in all three of those players, Acosta, Vasquez, and Bapenza. And they ask them to do different things at different times in the game to try and A, confuse the opposition, and B, change sort of the energy and who is expending the most effort on the field in any given moment. And all three of them were outstanding at various points in this game last night. It's just unfortunate that Vasquez didn't find himself on the score sheet uh for his efforts last night. And I would I would just add that yes, the defensive work that our forwards did last night. Great. They asked them they asked them to do that stuff and they and they come through and they work hard and do it. Bupenza's run is a great example of that. Mm-hmm. Um the other part of that run I really enjoyed is as soon as that Charlotte player lost the ball, Bupenza just straight shoved him to the ground. Yeah. <laughs> no, it was the petty it was the pettiest yeah. end to it's that like, you, possession. You made me yeah. run. You're not you're right. done with this right. play. You're done. You're done. You're done for now. And the dude's the dude laid on the field for a solid like 30 to 40 seconds asking yeah. the ref, seriously? He did the full-on shove. How are you not calling this? And I can only assume what was going through the ref's head was you just got run down by a striker. i'm not gonna your dignity is hurt already i'm not gonna bail you out on that right right no i uh just uh, on the on the vasquez point yeah i i still think his touch needs quite a bit of work but i will agree the the hold up play there he is doing more in terms of like second striker playmaking stuff um you have to admit his touch has improved 
It has. I mean, especially yeah, from what we lot. saw the first couple of years with him. Um, shades of, uh, and maybe this is a bad thing, but I don't think it's a bad thing. Shades of uh, peak Altador from uh, Vasquez's game. Uh, it was a solid hold-up striker in his day. I know he Altador wasn't a huge fan of playing that way, but he was very good. But at I it. mean, shit! If it gets Vasquez, <laughs> if it gets Vasquez to a lower mid-table Premier League team, I mean, I think he would take that deal a thousand times out of a thousand. Yeah, uh, I mean, at one point, uh, Altador I think had or had tied or gotten close to the all-time scoring record in the uh, Eredivisie. So he certainly had his his moments in Europe. But all of this leads up in the 46th minute to Alvaro Barrial stepping up to take a free kick, fairly outside of the box. I what was this? I'd say. 25, 30 yards out. This was no gimme by any means. Um, when you actually go back and watch this, I uh, saw this in the moment as well. Um, Hagland was very far outside, like right on the edge of the box, uh, on the outside edge of the box. And I thought, oh my God, this is set up so perfectly to lob it to Hagland to head it in to the mixer. Like that's that's clearly where this is going. There's no way they're going to take a shot on goal here. And I was wrong. Alvaro Barriel steps up in just postage stamps this this goal, just incredible. The goalkeeper has no idea what to do on this one. It's just one of the. Oh, he knew what to do. That was run right <laughs> at the referee and expect a bailout fucking call because that was a piss missile. He had no chance of stopping. Just yeah, that was another unbelievable. Uh, uh, charge, charge. Yeah, yeah right, just a right, buster exactly. Move. It was the classic. I've been embarrassed. I need to go complain because clearly something was wrong here. Uh, uh, just an incredible goal. On the heels of Barrio getting a nomination for the Puskas Award, uh, the uh, you know the, the greatest goal of the past year according to FIFA. Please go vote for that goal. You can yes. find it on FIFA's website. You mm-hmm. get to pick three, pick whoever else you want, but Barrio should get your number one seed there. I also you know believe this, he's it, the first one on the list. Very you know what easy. that remind that reminded me of a little bit in the Please. moment when I was when I was looking at that is the game that Cody Cropper played where he conceded five goals on set pieces. And after every one, he was just screaming like a lunatic at someone. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> so like, if you're a goalkeeper and you get absolutely undressed by a shot, you lose nothing by running up to the ref like you're losing your mind and just right. starting. You could, you could be shouting nonsense. You could just be shouting syllables or you could be shouting random words in a foreign language. As long as the visual on yes. TV that the people see is that you're losing your mind at the ref, it's going to put the idea out that you're going to gaslight some people into thinking something actually went wrong and that it's not your fault. So why not try that every single time? I mean, that worked on this one. People have tried to go back and try to figure out what he was mad about. Uh, I pointed this out in the Discord, and Grace, and I think you agree with me on this one, that he spends too long being sad and disappointed that the goal happened before he begins protesting. I feel like yep. if something was obviously wrong, <laughs> with the wall or sightline obstructions or offside or whatever they're going to try to complain, you would have been immediate about it or even calling it out as the 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 kick was happening. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So (laughs) so I I think what they were complaining about, I'm pretty sure what he was complaining about was that Moreno was too close to the wall. Okay. And I think this is bunk for multiple reasons. Okay. First... 
um, a Charlotte fan shared a picture. A Charlotte fan who thinks it was a good, good goal that should stand, by the way. So you know, give this guy credit. God bless him. Um, he, sh- he showed a picture that was from a good angle where you could see that Moreno wasn't that like level with the wall. He was a bit closer to the ball mm. than the wall. So it's not clear that he was even like within a yard of the wall um, to begin with. Okay. Um, but let's assume, let's assume that he was within a yard of a part of the wall. Well, okay. Charlotte used a split wall. <laughs> which I think like you can't just decide wherever your players are is the wall <laughs> and then just decide. I like, am so the like, wall. So like, Char- have- you're saying Charlotte decided to build a wall, a big, beautiful wall. It's going to be a wall that, that no one is going to be able to get over. It's a glorious wall. We're going to leave a little gap in the wall, but it's okay. It's all right. It's still part of the wall. Even if there's a gap in the wall, you, you're, you're very close to the right analogy. <laughs> um, it wasn't too long after the 2016 election that the talking point of like the people who worked for the Trump administration was not we're going to build a wall. It was we're going to build wall. <laughs> yes, meaning right. just like sections of wall in different I places. The yeah. controversy about metal bollards and do those right. count as walls? Yes, yes. Yeah. So all of these players were various bollards that right. made up a, an amorphous wall. And like, yeah, so you guys, you do a split wall, you leave that area open on purpose. Um, I don't know what to tell you. Like, um, and you know, third, clearly doesn't affect the play. No. no. And then fourth, and then fourth, which is, I think is like the most, um, probably the, probably the, the, the you know argument or discussion ender frankly is in free kicks like yes there's rules about how you have to set up on a free kick like you have to be so far from the ball you have to you know set up a different way um but usually but often the, like often those aren't those aren't followed on free kicks right you know because the player players decide that they're not going to throw a fit about this specific thing. Because like, for example, you might take a free kick, even though the wall is too close because you see an opening and, um, you just, you'd rather have a quick restart than, um, in, insist that the wall move back. Right, right. Right. If you fuck that up, <laughs> sorry, you've, you've like your opportunity to raise an issue with the wall. Right. Is gone. Right. Pre-kick, you you made a decision <laughs> not to raise an objection during the during the setting up of the free kick. Having done yeah. so, you you've waived. You can't yeah. go back think, in time. The time yeah. of the time for Charlotte to throw a fit about where Moreno was was in the lead up to the free kick. Right. Right? Like run at the ball, you know, run at the ref, argue with him, say Moreno's too close. Make the ref move Moreno if he's bothering you. But if you don't say anything about it, I'm going to assume you're fine with it. Also, the ball gets over the wall. Once the ball gets over the wall, (laughs) the wall is ineffective (laughs) by rule. (laughs) That there is nothing you could have done absent get taller players or get players that can jump higher that would have made the wall effective. So shut the fuck up. Right. 
if they had kicked it right at Moreno, Moreno jumped out of the way and it snuck through the wall there, like, yeah, or, then sure, maybe have or an if argument. Moreno jumped up and they did one of those free kicks like they tried in the World Cup back the uh, last time. What was it the Netherlands game, the US, where they tried to sneak yeah, a ball yeah, yeah. under the wall as everyone jumped? That's one thing. Barrial kicked the, the ball. Oh, it's, it's <laughs> phenomenal. I, it's, the only thing better than that is when they lay the person down to stop that from happening. Yes. I love a good lay down in the wall. Um, once Barial kicks that over the wall, there was nothing this guy, like, there was no chance to save this. If he knew it was coming, it would have still been a 50 50 shot. He could have saved that for where the placement on that was. Shut up. Yeah. Just shut up. It's loser. You are a loser for attempting to get that goal overturned in that manner. And he did get a yellow card for his hard work there in dissenting uh, Kalina there. So well, well done to him. It was a uh, well-earned, I don't know what his contract is set up like, but I assume some of these guys get some sort of team penalty for getting yellow cards. So he got scored on and he lost 500 bucks for, for getting a yellow card. Um and going to halftime, and I'll be honest with you, if we had gone in 0-0 while it was a dominant defensive performance and the, the chances were there, I would have felt a little uneasy, you know, Chief, to your point, you know, letting a bad team hang around. I, I always get the idea that, like, you give them too much confidence. You let them think they can beat you. That's how I always view, like, the NCAA tournament. It's like if you're the one seed and the 16 seed, you got to squash them early because if you got, like, 10 minutes left in the game and it's a four-point game, you gave them way too much confidence. <laughs> the the problem, it's, it's true in all sports. It's true in soccer the same way it's true in football, the same way it's true in basketball and that is when a game is level or when a game is close the other team that you are playing can continue to play their game they yeah. don't have to alter their tactics they don't have to alter anything about what they're doing they can continue to do what they think they do best in order to grind out a game the minute you score on teams goals change games no shit sherlock but the minute you go up on teams, they have to alter what they're doing and they are no longer going to do what they think they do best. They are going to do what they think is going to most likely to produce a goal. Consequences be damned. And that was the problem in the Orlando game is that they had chances in Orlando. They didn't score against Orlando and Orlando was able to grind the game out and play their game the entire time. Yeah, they go up one goal on Charlotte, their game plan of coming in here and grinding out a one nil result out the window and the game opens wide up a game opens up and that's bad news for teams that play FC Cincinnati, a wide open game against this attacking talent. You're going to lose that 99% of the time. Yeah, and that's exactly what happened <laughs> coming coming right out of halftime there uh 49th minute 50th minute there it is finally finally lucho acosta to aaron bupenza and i think we can call this one the cincinnati play uh it's it's a mainly playing on the left side of the field rather than uh what happens in midfield but it's Mainly because Lucho Acosta starts out on the uh, the left side on the end line there, uh, the touchline. So 
Uh, the uh, the play starts off with Barial basically winning the ball back on the left side, uh, passes over to Moreno, who passes it back over to Lucho. Lucho loses the ball for a brief moment, uh, and Barial sets him free down the left side, and it is off to the races for Lucho. Lucho goes down, beats a man, squares it to the middle of the box, and Bupenza is right there with the goal. And the scene that we've all been waiting for, Bupenza runs over to Lucho, gives him a great big hug. Everything is kumbaya. As we all knew all along, these guys are better together than they are apart. The sum is greater than their parts or something along those lines. (laughs) So was I the only one that thought they were trying way too hard? (laughs) No, I thought thought the same. That like the reaction, it, it... it moved from genuine to we are making a show to everyone that we're cool. Is that <laughs> our fault? Did we do that? <laughs> if, if, we, if we did, what I would say to that is what I would say to that to Lucho and, and Aaron is just play the game, guys. Don't try to don't try to do discourse. No, 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 no. Yeah. If discourse leads to this, keep it going. I got to see more. <laughs> it was the, to me, it's when he puts his arm around. They put their arms <laughs> around each other point, and they're both hyping the yeah, over points and over at him. Again. Like, yeah. this is my guy right here. If you didn't think this was my guy, um, you were clearly misreading all the very obvious signs <laughs> I was giving to the contrary. He is indeed my guy. <laughs> Maybe it's uh, one of those things where, like, you know, the better friends you are with somebody the more you just like kind of insult them in conversation. <laughs> yes. yes and we're, since, we're just, since we don't get their inside jokes, we don't. Uh... <laughs> so I guess from the outside looking in, we must be great friends by that standard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. No, Bupenza gets on the score sheet here. It was a hell of a, it was a, hell of a strike, the, too. I love the finish. The finish yeah, was so finish. good. He had, was... A, he had to beat a guy that was on the line. Uh, yeah. defending the back post and he just rockets the ball right over the dude's head into the top of the netting it was such a good finish it's what he didn't yeah. do earlier in the game a couple of exactly. times exactly yeah but but all credit that's exactly the finish you want to see in that moment that's yeah. a designated player finish that's, absolutely there are many players that can finish a shot there are few players in this league that can finish a ball over a man's head in the three to four feet of space that he can't get to defending the back post right there. Yeah. And I believe it hits side netting, which is always great uh, from the, uh, the middle of the, uh, the box there left footed shot classic. And yeah, it was just, it was so good. Uh, Bupenza leaves this game with, I believe somebody did the, uh, the numbers on this, a goal every 98 minutes that comes from Paul in the discord. That is Pretty good. Get Pretty damn good, guys. That's a goal of game. That's... In, in, in MLS. <laughs> yeah, in MLS. We we are going to go ahead and subtract the entire League's Cup out of there for a moment. And yeah, in MLS, it, it looks very, very good. We're, we're right at a goal of game, which... I think it was his best. I think it was his best game as a member yeah. of FC Cincinnati in oh, terms yeah. of being a complete game. He was in very dangerous positions. His positioning was a lot better in terms of remaining onside and remaining available for the ball. Um, he should have scored earlier in the game. It was only a, an incredible out-of-nowhere defensive effort by one yes. of Charlotte's defensive backs that prevented a goal earlier. Um, this was a world-class finish. Sauce Gardner. Where, 
defensive back for Charlotte. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, whatever. Um, Doesn't matter. We don't, we... Nobody's listening anyway. Yeah, um, <laughs> no one cares. Uh, it's, it's NFL Sunday. The other thing, too, about this goal, too, is that I loved his positioning on this goal mm-hmm. where instead of over committing to the net and running into the defense, he held back a little bit to make himself available for the back for the ball cutting back into the box. And we've seen a lot this year with FC Cincinnati that when they have played those square balls in, they've been behind guys because guys have overcommitted their runs and they're not yeah. stopping their run to where space is. And it was just a, it was very, very just good positional awareness from Bepens that leads directly to the goal. Yeah. And in classic Cincinnati play fashion, I think if the ball misses either too short or too wide, uh, Bupenza, Arias, and potentially Vasquez are there to clean up like this. This was they were they were dead the second uh, Lucho got into the box, basically like this. This was going to end in at least a, you know, 0.75 XG chance like this was this was heading in in the best directions there. Um, 50th minute to the 78th minute. I got to be honest with you. I don't have a good memory of it because the Lucho Acosta goal pretty well men in black to me. I don't know if anybody has any moment before no, then they want to talk about. Let's, let's no, get talk to about it. it. Let's get to it because this is. <laughs> Lucho Folks. Acosta puts together one of the greatest goals I've ever seen in person. And I have to say one of because I was also there for the Barrial Open Cup goal, which was also just a phenomenal goal. But to me, and I am not the first person to make this comparison, um, Obina Woboto has the greatest assist of all time. I don't know if you guys also picked up on that. A, a gentle rolling 10-yard pass over to Lucho, and then, I don't know, some other he stuff threw, happened. He threw uh, behind the line to Jamar Chase, and <laughs> yes. Jamar Chase beat 25 guys. Right. There's, there's, there's two... The great types path. of complete. There's two great <laughs> types of completion in the NFL. The first great completion is is fuck it, Mike Evans down there somewhere, <laughs> yes. and you chuck it as far as you can. The other one is the here's the two yard pass to Jamar Chase, and Jamar Chase beats every other defender there. <laughs> this play, the only thing I can compare it to seeing was if you're old enough to remember Barry Sanders when he was playing yes, for the Detroit yes. Lions, where Guys flailing, trying to stop him, getting up, trying to stop him again yes. and flailing again. But not only was this a great goal from Lucho Acosta, I walked away from this feeling genuinely embarrassed for Charlotte defenders because these are professionals. <laughs> these men are paid to play soccer and they were ineffectively lunging for Lucho, attempting to dispossess him. And just looking like amateurs, like high school players, yeah. as he calmly evades every single one of them down the field. Lucho was doing close-up magic on the boardwalk of Atlantic City, and they were <laughs> they were watching his hands, trying to figure out where the card is. And he's just picking up their wallets, taking out their cash. Yeah. <laughs> that is. That is exactly it. No, it wouldn't I, shock me if at the end of this goal, he's got like everyone's Amex card that he's taken. <laughs> he has taken their wallet. He has taken their soul. And 
they you can't even you can't turn the internet on yeah. if you're one of these people that yeah oh no that no, attempted no, no, no. to stop them. I just I I think I tweeted the moment just ended the city of Charlotte like it was just so unbelievably good. Um, no, obviously I, I I was teasing before this was a almost frame for frame recreation of the goal of the century from Diego Maradona, uh, and it was just incredible. It's a sixty yard run that starts with a nutmeg because of course, of course. it does with Lucho. Um, Winds his way around, just continues to twist defenders left and right. He is zigging and zagging, and they think he is going the opposite direction every time. And uh, my favorite piece of this is the Spanish call on Apple TV. Uh, the the announcer there, whose name I, I do not have in front of me, and I apologize. I'm doing them a great disservice. Uh, but I don't know when he gets about 30 yards out, 25 yards out, just starts yelling, Golazo, Golazo, Golazo. Like he is begging <laughs> for this to be a goal because it is just everything that you want out of a single individual effort. Uh, he scores it. it. It's just an incredible shot past the keeper around two defenders. And I mean, the announcer there was, was a- shouting MVP. MVP, well. just <laughs> screaming MVP. MVP. <laughs> MVP. Oh my God. It is so freaking good. Uh, the other guy, especially in the Spanish call, just starts laughing, which like is exactly all That's, you can do. On the English language commentary, too, it's uh, Higginbottom's doing the game again, who I think yeah. is rapidly becoming my favorite color guy on the entirety of Apple TV. He just starts laughing as the yeah. goal gets scored. Like, there's nothing to say about it. That was a absurd it was it was the kind of goal it looked like a ted lasso play because like yes it would be what a comedy writer writes an amazing goal to look like before someone corrects them and say soccer doesn't really work that way like you don't beat five guys and then single-handedly score a goal at some point you pass or there has to be more motion that doesn't work in real life but here we found ourselves with (laughs) with our own danny rojas moment from lucio acosta (laughs) it it's I know, I know Kevin made the Maradona comparison. I'm not sure I, I could think of like another great player that makes a run quite like Lucho does. Because yeah. you see some of these guys, some of these goals where guys are, you know, beating four or five guys. They'll like make a move. Right. And then that defender's beaten and that defender never catches up. Right. Lucho is like chucking his little legs along and these defenders get like two, three chances to get the ball from him. And they're like crowding around him. And it's not like he's not overwhelming anybody with his athleticism here. Although, like, I don't want to sell him short as an athlete. Like his motor is incredible. Right. But. um, But it's just. It's pure talent. It's 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 when you see like a. Like a like a great work of art, you know, the artist wants you to see like all of the moves. But the fact is, like, you would never have been able to reproduce that. Yeah, right, right. Like you can it's the paint by numbers where it's just like you draw the two circles, you draw the other circles and the the rest of the fucking owl. It's just like, (laughs) yeah, it's like there's you can know all of the steps here. You can't recreate it. Um, I did see a headline. Oh, please. <laughs> so maybe maybe introducing into 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 another topic. Um, this is from. Um, let me let me check. Um, 
Oh, let me uh, guess. Bro- Broadway World. Oh, oh who knew? yeah. Yeah. So, with the team on the edge of a trophy and fans in the stadium going from 9 to 11, Acosta and Barrial ensure fans at home can come from away after twin towering golazos. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Broadway oh. World, man. What will they come up with next? <laughs> oh, Jesus. But that's, I think they hit on something, right? Like, I wouldn't say of, that about this topic, but go ahead. Well, they hit on no. they hit on a couple of important things, <laughs> uh, and yeah, maybe <laughs> didn't hit something that somebody else hit. Oh, no, no. <laughs> gets the ball at midfield and says, "Let's roll." <laughs> no, but I, I think they hit on something where it's like, can you think of a game where if you when you take and I don't in like the Lucho goal. For mm-hmm. me, mm-hmm. stand it's on its own. The Barial goal against Pittsburgh, yeah, great, great, great finish. Lucho's goal is a goal by a great player. I'm not mm. selling Barial short here, but this is a, but Lucho. That's the goal of a guy who, um, is being paid commensurate with his standing in the league. <laughs> yeah, but but can you think of a game where we've had two two goals of this quality? No, Two, a couple dare of those, I couple say, of those, top 10 goals in the same game? A couple of those Brenner games where he had hat tricks. There were, but like they, neither, neither of those goals, neither of the goals Brenner had scored at any point were as good as either one of these goals. So no. Yeah. The only, the only game, and it's not even the quality of the goal, but the only game I can think of is like the two goals meant that much was literally FCC's home opener. Like at Nipper in twenty whatever it was sixteen. Oh, the um, back heel goal from uh, who scored that one? Oh no, I'm talking USL. The scissor oh. kick and the Austin Berry diving header uh, to win the game. Like they're they're good, skillful goals. They're not, you know, obviously they weren't insane players. Very good players. Um, but yeah, that's that's the only game I can think of. Where it was like two really good goals, but it was almost. Almost all of that is the emotion attached to those goals, right? Like, yeah, like this was this was incredible. It was um, almost like a, it was almost yeah. there was almost a moment in this goal where it was almost there was an ontological issue with this goal. <laughs> the goal exists because it must. Yes, because at a certain point when Lucho has he's gotten deep into the attacking third. The ta- the play has taken so long. He's faked out so many uh, so many people, nutmeg so many people that other attackers have caught up yes. to where Baji and Bupenza were in the the box, and it almost became at that point the he scored because he had to score. Yes, because if he didn't <laughs> score, the narrative oh. about him taking that chance instead of laying off the two wide open guys Brutal. would have been preposterous. So he scored because he had to score. It was the only other way that play could have ended other than disaster. <laughs> yes. Uh, Chief, you'll appreciate this. It had to be me. Somebody else could have got it wrong. Wrong. Like yeah. that, is, that is exactly what we just saw with this one. Uh, a point we've made on uh, this pod R. before. R.I.P. my man, Morden. <laughs> I mean, genocidal maniac, but hey. Nah, he fixed it in the end. It's okay. <laughs> um, it's a video game reference. It's okay, Grayson. You're not expected to know this one. Um, 
We've Thank talked you. about this before, where players run out of talent, right? Like on a yeah. on a good run into the box, and you beat like two defenders, and that third defender gets you. Lucho ran the, over the half the length of the field and didn't run out of talent all the way no. to the end. <laughs> and it was so great to finally see that. And yeah, I might have been in my seat screaming, pass it, because that play developed right in front of me. You know, I, I'm in the upper deck, but I, I see it all happen. Happening. Like Baji and Bupenza were the most open individuals in the history of this sport. The entire universe was just, you know, black hole sucked into Lucho's feet right there. The easiest layup for, for either one of them. But no, it was it was Lucho's goal. Yeah, because uh, we're not yeah. we're not artists. No. No, we want him to pass because that's what he's supposed to do. Right. Right. Because all we can think about is what one is supposed to do in a situation. We don't have the vision, but you have to to create something truly spectacular. Yes. You have to give the artist the freedom to just do what only an artist can do. Does this goal vindicate Grayson's position that Lucho was playing with the burden of not having a new contract? And now that he has a new contract, he feels free to fully, you know, this is now witness the awesome destructive power of this fully armed and operational Lucho Acosta. <laughs> I mean, what it was potentially not done until late Thursday. So it is possible that that was that was what was happening there. I mean, it's scary to think that a relaxed, calm Lucho might might look like on this on this league here. Like, like he signs the contract, and as soon as he does that, it's all of a sudden when Neo starts seeing the Matrix code, <laughs> yes. and all of a sudden, just like he's blocking the punches because they're coming in really slowly, <laughs> that he's seeing the field that way because he's got all that extra money and that security in his back pocket. <laughs> I, I mean, I will say this is like I guess the uh, it's not pessimist; it's the um, it's the, the scared child, scared child inside of me, which is that like. He scores this goal, and yes, he's on the new deal. Yes, he loves the city. But, like, if Newcastle offers us $30 million, are we actually saying no? Like, Shut up. <laughs> I, think, I, I think Lucho has the opportunity, and it's, it's really unfortunate that he, that due to various circumstances, um, he was never like in a position earlier in his career to to get off in this trajectory sooner. Mm-hmm. But you know, looking at the last two years that he's had, and looking at the the players that we have under contract for the next few years for most or all of Lucho's deal, yeah, and then hopefully having Pat Noonan around that time and Chris Albright, uh through that time Lucho has the potential to be like Giovinco I, level yeah in MLS yeah. for what what he can do and and the difference he can make in this league and he also has a, it he seems has a, like he's also sorry to yeah to continue but it also seems like he wears the responsibility well yeah you yeah, know he has an, oppor- you, he has an didn't opportunity always, but now today I think he does. He has an opportunity to to become a sort of a poster child for what is possible if you remain in MLS. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
he never had that opportunity. I think he he was in Liga MX for what, like a year with Atlas? One, two, one season, yep. yeah. And by one all accounts, it was like a pretty miserable experience. And it right. was just kind of what he fell into after his time in D.C. did not go well. Yeah, he just needed to go somewhere and just, you know, get away from the D.C. situation after the way they screwed him on the PSG deal. But now he signed here long term. He's on an opportunity to become a, he's exercising an opportunity to become a U.S. citizen. He has uh, ambitions to play for the national team, which if he keeps playing the way he's playing this year, he's going to make himself. The conversation is going to become inevitable around Lucho Acosta getting an opportunity with the men's national team. Although I say that like Greg Berhalter doesn't just routinely ignore good <laughs> players that aren't his players. But right. setting that aside. Um, there is a real opportunity for Lucho Acosta not only to become the face of this this franchise, of this city, but to become a player that can be someone that MLS points to to say, if you want to play here, you can play at a very high level. Yeah, you can make very good money, and you can still contribute meaningfully at an international level and make a name for yourself playing this way and frankly MLS needs a few more guys like that they need a few more guys maybe hopefully not because they got screwed out of a deal to Europe but a few more guys to say you know what I'm I'm past going to Europe I don't need that I'm happy here and that raises the level of play in this in this league yeah yeah and I think MLS is really is really showing its stripes in like younger players mm-hmm. like identifying some talent early letting them get opportunities to burst on the scene and earning um, caps with, you know, pretty good national teams like your Tiago Almada, your John Duran. Um, you know, I would throw your some mascara, yeah. even though he didn't appear for Colombia into that conversation. And then it's, it's being, it's also shown an ability to get players from Europe who are still in a really good part of their career. Yes. Like like Matt Miazga. Yeah. Um Ricky Ricky Pouge. Yeah. Um you know, but guys who were still, you know, potentially getting Team into Pookie. guys who proved what they could do abroad and are still in, in a good position to to be well respected uh globally. And what it what it maybe needs a better job, it needs more examples of is what you're describing. Like someone like Lucho Acosta, who spends basically their whole prime in Major League Soccer and is still recognized as no, this is a this is a real top quality player. Yeah. And I think unfortunately I think the ship has sailed for him with Argentina. Yeah. But if he can get his citizenship and get in the US men's national team, I think that, that even it itself would be somewhat of a proof of concept. Yeah. It's it's almost frustrating that he's Argentinian. Like if he was Chilean, like he could become a star at a World Cup if if the Chilean national team was was successful with him. Like he you could see him becoming an international star. He could and get people- into a lot of a lot of South American teams right now. Right. It's just Argentina is uniquely <laughs> stacked at his position yes. and they're not looking at a 29-year-old no, who hasn't no. who hasn't, you know, 
been in their system the whole time. Like he would be competing with five guys, you know, that'll be in the Champions League semifinals, you know, like like that's that's the level of competition. And Brazil is the only other one like that as well. Um, like no, Dybala and, can't get in the Argentinian national team. It's insane when you look at like <laughs> what like the France. Like France always has like a good like here's the fourth French team. You're like ah, that team would win the Champions League. No, <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's a uh, it's one of those things that. Like, if there are big changes afoot for MLS, it would be that, like, Acosta is able to do this because FCC has the ability to pay him lots of money. That, like, there is a path for him here. And you can see, like, a player like Barrial. Like, we all say, like, yeah, Barrial needs to go to Europe. Like, he's maybe too good for MLS, especially for his age, he's 23. But like, if there's a pathway for FCC to pay Barriel three, $4 million a year and it doesn't destroy the roster build, you could probably keep Barriel in MLS his whole career because I don't know how much he's going to be making in Europe necessarily right away. He can take a gamble on himself on a mid-table team, on a, a league that's maybe not the greatest and then hope he plays his way up. But MLS could start developing a pipeline of players like this and develop five, six, seven luchas per team. That's Especially South American players. Yes. Especially South American players yep. where – you know, the dream is go to Europe because the dream has always been to go to Europe. And because also that's because that's the what money the money is. is. The yes. money is. <laughs> and if you can figure out a way to make it so that you don't have to give these players up or, you know, to another extent, that keeping it of our Barial doesn't stop you also from being ambitious with going and getting other players that are top quality players as well. So you're not forced into a choice of, oh, do I have to offer Alvaro Barriel a designated player spot right? in order to keep him here and keep <laughs> his interests here? Um, but yeah, like, you know, South American players, Central American players, there should be a push to make MLS a first choice league for those players. You don't have to leave this hemisphere yeah. in order to go and play. Um, or this sort of continental area in order to go and play. And it's it's a little frustrating when the league can't hold on to good players who are good enough to be in these top leagues, but are not good enough to have a nailed on starting spot with those teams over there. Yeah. And, uh, and find themselves getting like, you know, sitting the bench or getting like limited playing time, getting shuffled around on loans. Like one example is um, Alex Callens. Mm -hmm. uh, from who played center back at NYCFC last year. He's sitting the bench for, I think, Girona yep. in, in La Liga. And it's because there's not roster flexibility to, to, to pay a free agent center back who was one of the best center backs in the league um, enough to make it worth his while for him to, for him to stay in MLS versus ride the pine in Spain. 
God, I love that Lucha's goal is so good. It makes us get existential about the future of the league. Like that's <laughs> yeah. that's, that's where yeah. that, that goal is. Because I I this is a conversation for another time, mm-hmm. but I, I see a lot of people complaining about like the especially the Saudi money coming into the clubs and and poaching a lot of talent from Europe and a lot of people saying like this is so stupid, all these players are going for the money. And I've really enjoyed seeing this online, especially on Reddit where everybody has flares and uh, where you, you can say like what country or what team you support and all the South American fans being like yeah Europe it sucks watching all of your best players go over to Europe because yeah the the kid from Buenos Aires always dreamed of playing for Wolves you're right like that kid always dreamed of of winning yeah. the FA Cup the Emirates FA Cup yeah. uh, you, know where, you know where people <laughs> in South America love where they circle it as a place they want to end up living is fucking Newcastle okay <laughs> it's like yeah this is, yeah, but all of a sudden an oil, state, an oil state buys the goddamn club and it may as well be, you know, fucking Bora Bora. Like, <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I don't know. These guys want to go to Europe because, sure, that's the best competition, but let's not kid ourselves. That's where most of the money is. And MLS is uniquely positioned to do that in a... I'll be generous and say an ever so slightly less, uh, you know complicated way than maybe Saudi Arabia is doing. Yeah, so um, our, our point is that yeah. Lucho's goal was so good <laughs> yeah. that it, it has broken the league. Yes. It, it does make you start asking bigger and bigger questions. Yeah. It was such a good goal that the entire business model needs to be re- reimagined. <laughs> I mean... And we all knew. I'm not kidding. We all about knew that, that these point. <laughs> were, we all knew these conversations would be forced when an Argentinian <laughs> scored a banger. It makes you. It makes you think big things about this league. Um, there were a few more minutes left in this game. It doesn't really matter. Uh, Charlotte threw everything at us, and nothing. Nothing changed. <laughs> the defense held held just fine. Um, I did like that uh, Acosta got to sub out in this one. That was nice. Um, got yeah. My only his... gripe. My only gripe about that is I, I. I am begging. Like okay, all twelve of you that listen to this podcast. Yes. I need yes. each of you to tell two friends, <laughs> and tell two friends to tell two friends, and move this on down the line. When Acosta is over the ball for a corner kick, when he's being subbed out, the chant is MVP. Yep. Yell loudly at anyone that tries to make that into FCC. Yeah. I'm usually, it's always in most cases, in 99.9% of cases, it's club over player, club over everything. In this one moment, the vibe needs to be MVP. Give the man his flowers. Let the league know there's only one choice for this. I think yeah. people need to be, and maybe this is something we can go in more depth in part three. Because I don't want to, I don't want to derail this, but a hundred percent club over player nearly every time. Yes, but we have a we are in a particular point in the season. Yes, where this guy just signed a long term deal with the team, took out a full page ad in the newspaper, and he's in the midst. He's he's running down the end of an MVP chase. You know, just like I'm not trying to say like you need to like modify the chance and every and, and what we're saying like to game action the whole time, but this is a major narrative. Yeah. yeah. This is a big narrative, right? 
MVP is what we say for Lucho. Yes. Yeah. Gosh. Oh, man. What a negotiating tactic that ad was, huh? Yeah, because <laughs> uh, the deal this, wasn't done before that ad was written. We all know that. Who knows? Uh, this game ends three to nothing. FC Cincinnati sitting pretty in the table. Is there anything else we want to touch on with this game? I have one point, but I, I will open the floor if anybody else. Uh, I got another I, headline if you want to make a mark. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> this one in Infowars. It was <laughs> no, no, um, no. Lucho's actually, goal was an inside job. <laughs> this is in, this is in the Epic Times. <laughs> this is a website called RT. It turns out Charlotte actually won the game by multiple goals. Oh, look at him go! I've, I've, I've I don't know what I was watching. Uh, no, I've actually got two points. One point, uh, I thought this was interesting. Blue on blue matchup. Have we finally left the days of black and white TVs? Are we allowed to have the same color shirts on? I mean, Color rush changed everything. Really Thank you, did. Roger Goodell. <laughs> uh, I thought that was interesting. Uh, second question, uh, maybe my memory just wasn't great. And I am not attempting to throw anybody under any bus here. I have to imagine it's a very difficult job. Um, but the field looked real bad. Am I there just was also, not? There was a U.S. Women's National Team game on Thursday, so they had just played a full soccer game there like Is two that, days. Okay. Is that it? Because it, it looked like more. But I don't know. Maybe maybe the turnover time over like the course of a week, the field looks very different. It looked like they'd been hosting like a bunch of high school football games on that field, and I was not aware of them. But how dare you besmirch our great ground crew? Look, I that's I'm not trying to cast dispersions. I'm just saying I didn't remember the field looking that rough, and maybe look, it's one thing <laughs> to play fast and loose loose with the laws of the game. It's another thing to play fast and loose with the tactics and with the body language reading. <laughs> it is a step too far to, pay, to play fast and loose with uh, with a, a grass uh, management. Okay. Uh, look, I live out in the burbs, all right? And uh, by virtue of that, I am somewhat of a grass expert. Um, no, I've got nothing. I just, I don't know. I, I guess I... Knowledge, and by virtue of that, I am somewhat of a... <laughs> Grass expert. <laughs> Kevin's like, I'm not that kind of grass expert, but I do own a pair of Air Monarchs and I have kids. So, <laughs> folks, the all whites come out until they become the white and greens as they get mowed through the summer. Um, no, I think that does it for our version of this game. Um, yeah, I just, I, I can't believe. Yeah, I don't know. The defense held strong without Matt Miazga. It was great. No yellow cards. Obviously, no red cards. Well done, everybody. Just thumbs up all around. I uh, Assuming everybody stays healthy, the next game, we should have everybody. Might this be the very first game that we get to start the game with a full 11? I'm trying real hard not to jinx anything. Not that I believe in them, but man, it'd be a bummer if that happened. But That would be the expectation. That is fantastic. Okay, uh, that does it for part one. Part two, <laughs> we relive the game all over again, but with this time, Tommy G, voice of FC Cincinnati. I think you're going to enjoy this one. On the other side of the interview, we do a little table watching, and as we are recording, we know the results of the Miami-Orlando match. We can give you the full exact scenarios of what the shield clench looks like. Enjoy this interview. We'll catch you in part three. 
This episode is also brought to you by Sensi Shirts. Look, you know Sensi Shirts, you love Sensi Shirts. They've been with FCC from the beginning, and we here at the Postcast, we're just huge fans of their work. They were very early sponsors of the Postcast here, and we have always enjoyed their work. If you head on over to CincyShirts.com, that's Cincy with a Y, Shirts.com, and check out using the promo code ThePostCincy, all one word, all caps, you will get 10% off your order and you let them know that we sent you. Like they have MLS and MLSPA licensed FCC gear available online and at their two retail locations in Hyde Park and Fort Mitchell. If they don't have your size on the shelf, they can print you one on the spot. That is a fantastic feature and something that I have used as well. So again, special thank you to Cincy Shirts. Head on over to their website or check the link down below in the description for the promo code ThePostCincy for 10% off your next order. And a huge thank you to Cincy Shirts. Oh, joining us here, part two, is a very special guest. You, I don't even know why I introduce him, because if you're listening to this podcast, you've heard this man's voice for many, many years. This is the true voice of FC Cincinnati, one Tommy G. Tommy, how you doing this evening? Fellas, good to see you. Glad to be back. It's been a, a little while, so I was worried that maybe my, my most recent appearance got me banned or uh, the ratings weren't very good or something. So I was I was low on the on the list to be invited back, but uh, just took a banger of a night, I guess, to, to do it. But I'm happy to be here. Life is good. Uh, good vibes this weekend at TQL Stadium. Oh, my God. No, Tommy, first off, you're always welcome back. Second off, I feel like people are more likely to get banned by appearing on our show rather than you know performing poorly here so fair enough fair enough uh no but no i'm so glad you're able to be here because i mean look my my just like pure excitement of that game and leaving that game i like i'm still not over it like i still have like the jitters from that game i I don't maybe this is just a me thing maybe this is like a, a double check for me but was that I don't know, the best FC Cincinnati game we've ever seen, a top five performance from this club? Like, I think it's top five. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, there's there's other great nights where the team has put together performance. Like one that sticks out of my mind is that Philadelphia game at home last year yeah. because yeah. of the opponent. And mm-hmm. obviously there's endless storylines when the Union and FC Cincinnati play. Yeah. Um, you know, Charlotte, not maybe not the most formidable opponent, um, at least at where they stand in the table. But look, this is a team that had coming in nine draws in their last 13 games. So hmm. they were in competitive games. They only won one of those 13, but they only dropped three of them. So look, they, they, they've been competing and they've been competing with some of the, the better teams in the Eastern Conference. So it wasn't a layup uh, going in that FC Cincinnati was going to win, but they put it together and sure, did it take a little while with there a couple of chances in the first half? that probably should have been finished and probably should have been goals. Absolutely. Um, but in the end, you get the the banger from Alvaro to give you that boost going into the dressing room. And then, uh, and, and Kevin said it at halftime, he said, look, uh, it's what I said at the beginning of the broadcast now applies to the beginning of the second half, like come out and find a way to have a really quick start and get a goal right <laughs> away. And if you do that, then Charlotte might not have much fight. And, and you saw Boop get his goal and, you know, then then it was kind of over from there. But I think, you know, there, there, 
I don't think tension is the right word, but maybe a little bit of uh, extra anxiety the last couple of weeks. You know, you look at the, the <laughs> yes. game notes and it, it's <laughs> funny and our, our, our fantastic PR staff and uh, you guys know John and, and my boy Patty over there. Like, you know, I give them uh, and Evan does a great job. And I, I gave uh, I gave him some feedback at the beginning of the year and asked for them to kind of line out each month with the record. And then goal differential, because I saw another team did it. And I said, it's kind of cool. I think it was St. Louis. And I said, you know, I can look and be like, in April, they were really good and went 4-0-0 and had a plus seven. It's just easy. I don't have to try to do that math on the fly. So they added it. So last night I'm looking at it and I'm like, man, like they haven't won in September. This is egregious. You know, now there was a, <laughs> How dare they? There was an international <laughs> break there. So, yeah, yeah, right? And it wasn't that many games, but it, it felt like it had been forever. And I think everyone just needed – exactly what happened last night like perfect weather perfect game perfect result almost every other result fell in favor of the orange and blue so it was a it was a good night yeah uh, that's exactly where where my mind is going was like this game sort of exercised a lot of demons there like we've seen this team struggle down the home stretch here they they're still you know winning getting points and all of that but it it hasn't been as smooth as it was in the summer uh and then of course the the Lucho Bupenza relationship just hadn't quite mm-hmm. clicked up until I think it's fair to say this game did we see the beginning of of a beautiful relationship. I hope so. Was the tension overblown in the yeah. fan base? Yeah, a hundred percent, a hundred percent overblown. Like, and, and I was trying to explain it to somebody during the week. And I said, look, you have a guy like Lucho. We all know how badly he wants to do well and <laughs> score goals. And he wants to connect every pass, right? Whether it's in the midfield in the final third, inside the 18, you know, he's frustrated if a pass isn't connected, whether he's sending it or whether somebody else is sending it. And that's just because he's a competitor. That doesn't mean he's mad at Brandon or he's mad at Aaron. And sometimes I think, sure, his body language may imply as much, but he wants to see this team score 4 million goals a night. And therefore, <laughs> if, you know, passes aren't connected, they can't score 4 million goals and, and he's frustrated. Right. Sure, the chemistry had to come together, um, with these guys to, to succeed in the way that we saw last night. And, and last night probably should have been six nil or seven nil, to be honest, um, with the opportunities that, that the team set up. I mean, I think I, I laughed at halftime. I, the expected goals were two for SC Cincinnati, 2.05 for Charlotte. I asked Kevin, like, do you get the 0.05 for like getting off the bus? Because I don't know that Charlotte had done much else at that point. But yeah, I think a little bit overblown. Uh, look, I've watched these guys work in training and like and see the ability of Aaron Bupenza in training and what he can do. You can see what he's done with his other teams professionally. Um, it, it will come with time, but uh, look, it, it, it's happened pretty quickly here. And you're asking in the middle of a season in a team that already had great chemistry and a lot of really good things going on, you're dropping in another very talented player. So sure, Aaron's disappointed if uh, attacking – opportunity fizzles out just as Lucho is just as Brandon is. And Don Badi said last night, what he was going to be really mad at at Lucho if he didn't finish that goal Um, because he literally had two guys standing to his left wide open. Like you and I could have run out on the pitch and tapped that ball in with the amount of space there was um, when he went down there. But of course he finished it. So um, they, they all are competitors and and they all want to score. And so look, those are the kind of guys I want fighting for my club. Yeah. How how important do you think it is is it to Lucho to not just score a bunch of goals but also to put on a show? 
Oh, I think he's an, he's an entertainer, right? I, I think that's part of his personality. I don't think that's like uh, the priority, but I think he knows sure. that when he's scoring and when he's making plays, I mean, look, I, I don't know how he pulled that bike off last night. Like he was in so <laughs> much traffic and Kevin and I kind of looked at each other and like, I didn't clip it today because of course it was saved, but like Kevin's reaction, like he kind of yelps in the moment when it, when it <laughs> happens because it was so almost unexpected because of the traffic around him. Yeah. And yet he still got it off and, and sure Kalina makes the save, but um, yeah, he, by nature of the way he plays, he's an entertainer and he wants to put on a show. And look, it, it's a storybook. And that's what Pat said in our post-game interview. He said, I led with a question about Lucho. You had to. He signs his contract extension. He has the ad in the paper. He's here through at least 2026. And then he and, and it's Noche Latina on top of that, right? Yeah, um, right. I mean, you had that right. amazing halftime performance uh, by yes. the Marachi band. Like, uh, if you didn't catch that, that was it was amazing. Like, I hope they do that every game, honestly. Like, I thought it was awesome. Like, I'd be all in on that. And I can't even really pay attention, but during the breaks, because we were definitely like singing up in the booth during the commercial breaks. Like, it was awesome. But, yes. like, so it's Noche Latina. You know what I mean? It's, uh, he's fresh off his contract extension. He knows he's closing in on the MVP. His team is closing in on the supporter shield. Like, everything is falling into place. And Kevin kind of called it about 10 minutes before. He's like, Lucho really wants a golden night. Like this guy won't be happy if he walks off the pitch. If, even if, even if FC Cincinnati went four nil, Lucho is going to be ticked off that he didn't get a goal. <laughs> and I mean, look, the magic he dialed in was just something at another level. So yeah. I want to talk about you as a broadcaster with Lucho Acosta. Are you always on edge that any move he makes could start a goal scoring opportunity? Cause it feels yeah. like he creates chances out of absolutely nowhere sometimes. It is, and it's interesting because, you know, like uh, whoever, and, and this year we've had three different guys in the booth with me, with Omar and Jeff Aronowitz and obviously Kevin McCluskey, my longtime partner, and, and uh, I've loved working with all three of them. They all have three very different styles, um, you know, and then Kevin and I have the great chemistry that we've had for 200-plus games together. But, uh, you, you know, it's the type of thing where, like um, – like I, at times I'll look at all three of them and be like, I need you to shut it. Like, shut up. Stop talking because <laughs> Lucho has the ball. And it might be at midfield. Like imagine last night, you know, like yeah. if Kevin was talking about something, I would have missed half that buildup of him skating by their entire defensive half of the pitch. Right, right. Because Kevin was talking about whatever. And that would have been okay. But it's like, if Lucho has a ball in the final third, like mute my broadcast partner, like <laughs> turn off the headset. I haven't started instructing the engineers, like because. But that's the reality, right? And and look, they're all good. They they'll step out of the way. But you're right. You have to be ready to go, or he's going to look up with a ball in midfield and ping it on to the foot of Bupenza, or ping it on to the foot of uh, Brandon Vasquez, or somebody else. He 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 seemed to be picking out Santiarius over and over again last night. So um, yeah, you have to be have to be locked in and and not looking away or not taking a sip of water. Yeah. No, I think, um, you know, I, debatable whether or not this was the best goal or the best the best game for FC Cincinnati, but I think it's indisputable that we had the two best goals in the same game for FC Cincinnati. I can't think yeah. of a pair of goals that was as good as Barial and Lucho's last night. I I don't. Is there anything that comes to mind in terms of a tandem not, in one game? Not I, and not two in a game like that where you just jaw dropping, right? Because right. Barrios <laughs> was 
perfectly placed. I mean, uh, Kalina lost his mind for Lord only knows what reason, <laughs> but you know, like, uh, trust me when I sign off with you guys, I'm, I'm sending a email to pro referees just asking, cause like, I want to be educated. Right. Was there mm-hmm. something there that, that was one of the most experienced referees they have. And he's mm-hmm. been in the league 21 years. He's almost 300 appearances, you know, as a, as the head official in major league soccer. Like I thought he did a fantastic job in the match. So, and, and pro referees will be very honest with me with like, you know, they're always great. Yes, mistake was made or no, not, you know, this is when they'll explain it. So I want to know, I, I don't think there was a mistake there. Kevin and I talked a little bit about this morning. I saw, you know, some type of implication about the wall and, and Junior Moreno being too close, but they had the wall split. So I think that Kevin kind of felt like that was the reason there was no whistle, you know, for impropriety, you know, mm-hmm. improper conduct there by Junior Moreno. But either way, it doesn't matter. Uh, it counted. And Alvaro Barrial has, you know, uh, <laughs> one of I don't know if it's the best of the year because he had that pretty, pretty <laughs> remarkable goal that's been nominated for a pretty prestigious award um, against Pittsburgh at the other end of the stadium. But, you know, he hits that ball and then like, uh, and I've watched it. I don't know how many times today, right? Like yeah. Lucho picks that ball up in the midfield and like, Oh, ooh, oh. and like at one point you hear Kevin go, Oh, like <laughs> Kevin like realizes what's happening. And like, I see Don Baji to his left. And there's nobody on him. And Aaron Bupenza is a step to the left of Baji, and there's nobody on him. And I'm like, there's no way. <laughs> no, as much as I appreciate everybody who, who tweets at me and asks for, for our radio calls and, and that, and I love it, and I'll put them together, and I'll tweet them and put them out there. Like, go listen to the, the Apple Spanish one if you yes. haven't heard it. Yes. He's calling Golazo. Yes. It's so he's good. Calling, he's calling Golazo 40 yards out. That guy's a legend. <laughs> oh, he's great. He hugs me every time I see him. But, like, he, the, the, if you haven't listened to it, I meant to retweet it, but I, like I said, I've been running around all day and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to retweet it tonight. But, like, he he's calling Golazo yes. before he's even taking a shot. Like, what an unbelievable vision to have that. And then it was, and, and just that effort, like you said, it was storybook on a night when Lucho was determined, um, he, he performed and all you could do is start engraving that MVP trophy because if he's not MVP and if Pat's not coach of the year, then there's something very, very <laughs> wrong going on. Yeah. Before we move on off the, that goal, I do have to ask though, um, when you're calling that after you call the goal, do you stop and think to yourself, oh man. They're going to replay this one a lot in this club's history going forward. <laughs> uh, I mean, maybe not in the moment. Um, you know, you you're, you definitely realize like that's a really special moment. Like I think we knew it on the Barrial blast uh, against Pittsburgh. You're like, geez, what did he just do? <laughs> you know, um, I think that one you kind of figure out uh, straight away. Um, but yeah, I mean, y- yeah, you knew you knew both of those last night were were big, big time efforts. And the Lucha one is just like, I mean, like Barrio, you know, I watch him in training. He hits shots like that all the time. Right. But like yeah. to do what Lucho did and to beat that many guys is a different story. It just, just insane. No, and I'm so glad you brought up the Spanish call. Cause I was going to ask you, have you ever called a goal you know, 30, 40 yards before it ever really materialized? I wish I could. That's amazing. <laughs> I was, I mean, I'm going to ask him about, it. I see this guy all the time. Like he, he does a lot of our games and I don't know the Spanish guys as well as the English guys, obviously, but, uh, yeah. He, he all he gave me a huge hug in the hallway yesterday, and I'm gonna <laughs> I'm gonna congratulate him because that that was that was a great that was brilliant. I don't know what he was talking about. 
Deford and Galazzo part, but he was, it was brilliant. Oh, gosh. So um, I got I to gotta yeah, ask, please. Tommy, talking about yeah. Lucho and the special night of everything, you've been around this team since the very start. What does it mean, big picture, for this organization to have Lucho Acosta locked in for this long-term deal to where he is going to, probably by the end of this contract, own most of the records for this club? What does that right. mean for the organization that they got this deal done? I mean, it's uh, it puts him into the opportunity, I would say, to be like the legend of legends from the club. Like we can all call people legends, right? And that that term gets tossed around a little bit. Um, and and certainly there are have been legendary people who have come through, and then legendary people who maybe play for the club right now and all that. But you're talking about like if he does this for whatever through 26, 27 and see what he looks like at that point. You know what I mean? Maybe he's around for another year or two. Like he leaves as the greatest FC Cincinnati player, you know, uh, of the era and will hold that title of the greatest FC Cincinnati player of all time for a while, you know, with the numbers that he will accumulate. And imagine that he gets this citizenship situation sorted out and uh, plays for the U.S. men's national team, which I don't think is a, a wild thought. And he could be a hero beyond the city of Cincinnati, right? Um, building into that 2026 World Cup. So, you know, how, how incredible would that be for him uh, to become a U.S. citizen, to get involved with the team and, and be, be a guy at a position they've needed um, to, to create going into a World Cup here in the United States? Like, it, when you talk about storybooks, there's another one, you know, if only I knew, knew somebody could make a documentary about all this, but you know, uh, <laughs> the Lucho documentary be incredible. And I mean, at this point, very well deserved, if not overdue. Uh, but no, I, I think that's a great point chief that he is kind of the first player of the MLS era that like, I think every fan is desperate to keep. Like it's been mm -hmm. a while since we've had a guy get to this point in his contract, and especially the early days, we weren't happy to see him go. Let alone, you know, desperate to have him come back. And I think Lucho is no. a, a good example of how far and, this club and, and has I'll gone. I'll be honest. Yeah. I said on a I, Kevin, I talked about in the post game last night. I said, Kevin, let's go back to the end of 2021. We sat in this booth after the last home game. Tonight we're here talking about 13 wins and 15 games. <laughs> We were talking about yeah. one win in 17 games. I mean, this is two years ago. Two years ago, we're talking about one stinking win in 17 home games at TQL Stadium. And Jeez. honestly, like, would would if the four of us were sitting there that night recording this this podcast, right? Like, will we be talking about Lucho's going to leave as a legend of FC Cincinnati? Like, no. <laughs> no. Nobody would have said that. And that's not disrespectful. It just it wasn't – you weren't seeing it at that point. Yeah. And it's not that we looked at the beginning of the 2022 season either and said, this is a guy that's going to be here through 2026. It was like, all right, you're the new head coach. Let's see how this works out. And if it doesn't work out, then maybe Lucho doesn't work out in Cincinnati. And you know what I mean? Chris Albright and Pat will go get their guy, but he proved to be their guy. And so I give him all the credit in the world, you know, that, that he proved to want to be here. Yeah. And, you know, didn't also get this, this MVP run. And run upstairs to Chris and say, all right, well, start start seeing where you could sell me on to either. You know, like uh, it was, no, I want to be here. My family's happy here. My wife is happy here. Um, you know, my kids are right there. I run over and give them a hug after every goal I score, which is 
a lot of extra running right now, but you know, like uh, good for him. Like he he's happy in Cincinnati, Ohio, and there's probably a bunch of other MLS clubs that are sorry they didn't give him that chance. Yeah. <laughs> DC United's got to be kicking themselves to see Lucho and Junior Moreno tearing it up for this team right, right now. <laughs> yeah, they didn't even want Junior Moreno anymore. So, no. I mean, what a what a get by Chris Albright that was. Remember how how how, how close he got him to the season too? It was like mm-hmm. we don't really know where Junior's going to fit in. Like we'll we'll figure it out. He just got here. He's training with the team for like five days. We'll see how this goes. <laughs> he might be a depth piece. Well, he's been a regular starter, so props <laughs> to Junior. Uh, I'll I'll end you on on this one here, uh, Tommy. If Grayson and I have our math right, which is very questionable at all times, yeah. I believe FC Cincinnati has clinched a Concacaf cup huh. champions cup birth I'm, that's what are, i've heard are you ready for away days to haiti and or panama and or jamaica <laughs> uh yeah absolutely i mean uh, look if we're going to jamaica i think i know who my broadcast partner is <laughs> i don't care who's available i mean if it's jamaica you better believe omar's going to big cat uh gets to go on a trip because like uh, i need a tour guide if i'm going to jamaica so if it's uh if it's jamaica then yeah i mean look that's awesome i mean i, I the season ticket member to event tonight i kind of joked that you know I, I romanticize about drawing saprisa yes with yes. the thought that, that mm-hmm. with the thought that kendall will still be involved uh with the team come come january february you know when that starts to crank up but if that's the case uh that would be amazing right kendall gets opportunity to come back to cincinnati play at tql stadium it's two legs there at the beginning right um, and then, and then, uh, shoot, I'd be more than happy to go down to Costa Rica if that opportunity uh, presents itself. Also means the off season, you know, because we're planning to be here around until December 9th, right? Like that's the idea. Right. right. <laughs> uh, off season is going to be awfully short. Merry Christmas, and then and then you turn around and training camp starting. But <laughs> uh, it's just another another step in building this club and opportunities for guys to play and more minutes, more games. But it also then you know puts the the onus on on Chris Albright. Uh, to to have the right bodies in there to have the right depth because look at, you know, I mean, Philadelphia's in a good spot now. They're not going to win the supporter shield, but they're going to have a good seed, probably one of those top four seeds um, in the Eastern conference. But when we saw them in April, yeah, they weren't in a great place because yeah. they were trying to win Concacaf champions cup, which is the right move. You know, um, Seattle last year missed the playoffs for the first time in club history. They'll be back in this year, even though everybody wanted Brian Schmetzer fired earlier this year. You know, uh, they're going to be back in as like the three seed. I checked last night. I was like, well, I'm glad they didn't fire Brian Schmetzer because uh, he's going to get him in as the three and probably make a run. But um, yeah, I mean, they prioritized it the year before and yep. therefore the regular season didn't end very well and they missed the playoffs for the first time in club history. So um Certainly, you know, Chris and Pat know what goes in to being ready for that and and will will be ready. And I, I yeah, I can't confirm your math. Um, but that was the talk in the press box last night, uh, before the game. And mm. I was kinda like, All right, I'm kinda focused on the game and the supporter shield, but somebody sent me a text or something and I didn't get the text hundred percent confirming it. <laughs> right. So like I said, I got some emails to send and I got a lot of things I gotta I gotta I got to check in on some referee decisions. I got to check in on some math. Uh, I got to check in on this this uh, Miami game and see see where they're at and, and how that one ends. And if that one ends, then does Toronto win, uh, clinch everything, which seems like that math is right. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it's exciting. It's exciting that we're talking about this and not yes. – 
nine yes. straight losses to end the yes. year or <laughs> one home win. Oh. And, you know, I told somebody like a month ago after a game, it was probably after the Atlanta game, and I was like, I'm unapologetic about celebrating each and every one of these wins. Like, whether it's 3-0 yep. over Charlotte Absolutely. and New York City, who aren't very good, or it's come from behind 2-1 against Atlanta on the road, or it's 3-2 against Columbus and rubbing it in all their face. Like, I don't care. <laughs> like, I, I called so many losses for three years that this is amazing. And it's awesome. And like I said, I hope hope we have a, a bunch more wins to call and and a, and a couple big parties planned. And just one question, though. Yeah, is there a small part of, of you that hopes they don't clinch the shield till they come home? <laughs> um, no. I mean, look, if there's an opportunity to do a Saturday night in Toronto, um, then I hope it, I, like, there's no part of me that would hope for a draw to be like, ooh, then we can win on Wednesday. Because, listen, like, look, I, I was actually uh, with, with our old buddy Jimmy McLaughlin earlier today, and we were talking about it. Um, and – we were talking about how, uh, how they won, what was that, Richmond in 2018. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, and then it turned around and, um, you know, then the next home game, and it was funny, and it, we kind of laughed about this, like they rotated the whole team against Indy. Indy's trying to get in the playoffs. We rotated <laughs> the whole team and beat them like 3-0, right? <laughs> Forgot right. about that. <laughs> right, like none of the starters played, but that's what happens when you have the highest payroll of the USL and, you know, 24 <laughs> starters or whatever it was. But we rotated the whole team, still, you know, beat Indy handily and then had that huge party yes. at Nipper Stadium. So I would imagine – you know, would I get too carried away that if there is a clinching scenario in Toronto and the clinch happens in Toronto, um, I, I'd imagine that Canadian champagne tastes just as good as, as the American <laughs> champagne. And, uh, you know, that, that then they will turn around and come home uh, and do some type of celebration in the stadium after the game, um, you know, on the fourth, I would think. Um, but look, we'll see what happens. Um, you know, if Orlando drops any points and it's on on Saturday and Toronto's in last place in the East, so... You know, hopefully, uh, hopefully a positive result. But look, it's MLS, and strange things seem to happen every week. So you can't just <laughs> show up on any given night and just expect you to get through it. But the fact, again, that we're having these conversations, uh, that we're yes. worried about how we're going to celebrate uh, clinching the supporter <laughs> shield, <laughs> is a pretty is a pretty great uh, problem for us to have. Oh, Canadian no. champagne is Labatt Blue. Everyone knows this. <laughs> <laughs> the Canadian yeah. champagne of beers, yes. That's oh, right. my God. Well, Tommy, so, so thankful you were able to join on such oh, short yeah, notice. Thank you so much. And, uh, yeah, hopefully uh, hopefully we get to hear you call the uh, the Supporter Shield winning team here very, very soon. Soon enough. Soon enough. That sounds great. I'll be back anytime. Maybe we'll do a playoff uh playoff run here or something but uh, let me know always a pleasure fellas would love it thank you so much thank you be good do you want $25 to the empanadas box well folks let me tell you how to get that if you go to twitter.com go to the post Cincy's page and you find the tweet where we sent out the link to this show in particular the first one the big one that we do like it retweet it and tag somebody in, in a quote tweet there of who you would like to take with you to the empanadas box for a good old fashioned lunch date. You will be entered to win a $25 gift card. We are doing this on the Sunday episode. So please, if you want a chance to win $25, find this tweet, share it and tag a friend as well. And you will be in the running. We will announce the winners 
on the following Monday on who won that uh, gift card, and we will get in touch with you on that one. So again, huge thanks to the Empanadas Box for sponsoring this episode. And find this tweet, like it, retweet it, tag a friend. You'll be entered for a chance to win $25 to the Empanadas Box. Back to the episode. Part three, we are back. And again, huge thanks to Tommy G for, for joining. I know he was doing the, uh, the team meet and greet earlier today. And we don't typically add guests on the fly. We're actually, I guess, weird in the podcasting world of like trying to book people days, if not weeks in advance. So it just it felt like, <laughs> it felt like we were all in the group chat earlier today talking about what a, what a big win it was. And we were thinking, man, that Lucho goal was really cool. And then we all sort of came to the same conclusion. I bet it'd be fun to have the guy on that actually called that just to find out yeah. what it was like in the moment. Because <laughs> I asked him the question, and you got to know, as that run is happening, I got to be on my game because yeah. <laughs> this call is going to get repeated a lot in a lot of team videos and a lot of team promotion. You can't have a down moment yeah. right there. <laughs> The only thing missing was uh, calling Lucho a cosmic kite. That would have been just uh, put it well over the top there. So, no, huge thanks to uh, to Tommy G uh, coming on. And now we get the fun part of the shield race, which is looking at and therefore judging all of the other teams, all of the other scenarios. How can they catch us? Who do we need to root against? Grayson, I believe it is as simple as we need to watch two matches this weekend. But tell me, what I think what it's will it simpler take? than that. Oh, oh, talk to me. Win, and the shield is ours. Boom. The only thing I was mentioning is, and again, I'm taking the second hand because I'm not sitting here doing math. If Orlando were to lose or draw, that would be enough as well. No. Okay, that is because wrong. Okay. so um, there's theoretically four teams that that could catch us. Okay, um, one of them is I think we just toss them aside. It's St. <laughs> Louis. Okay, they are capped at sixty-two points. So mm-hmm. if they if they tied us, if we lose out, and they would have the uh, wins tiebreaker but that means we have to get zero points and they have to get every point the rest of the season yeah um it just doesn't feel likely yeah. okay. oh point of point point of clarification because a lot of people will not know this and that's fine to not know this because it's super weird and kind of stupid in the supporter shield race the first tiebreaker is not gold differential don't look at that the first tiebreaker is total number of wins then it's goal differential so there's that okay continue so know that don't forget (laughs) just know that yeah (laughs) so there are three teams who can get above 62 points okay okay orlando um who just tied miami tonight Woo. orlando can get to um 63 points Okay. Okay. Philly and New England can both get to 64 points. Okay. Okay. Um, Something to note here. Orlando plays New England. Philly also plays New England. 
So that they means, all can't win out. <laughs> that means they all can't win out, which does mean that we have clinched top three in the East. And nobody else but St. Louis in the West can, can even get to our points, which means we've clinched top four in Major League Soccer Supporter Shield standings, which means we have clinched uh, Champions League. Um, I would note that even if Philly, New England, and Orlando could all get all the points the rest of the year, Philly's already qualified, so we would um, get the next spot. We get the, we would get the next spot. So if, we're playing if Champions League happened. football. So we are playing Champions League football. Champions Cup. I think they renamed it. Yeah. In in the year of our Lord Jesus Cristo, Lucho Acosta, two thousand twenty-four. <laughs> In the year of our Lord, two foot, two foot tall statue, Jesus Christ. <laughs> um, so, so anyway, anyway, so on the, on the, on the shield, there's three teams that, that we got to watch to, to potentially drop points, Orlando, New England, and Philly, New England and Philly can each get to 64, Orlando can get to 63. We are at 62. That means our next win clinches the supporter shield. Wow. Hell yeah. That's it. Right then and there. And our next game, just peeking ahead, is against a team called uh, Toronto FC, which uh, you may notice is at the uh, second bottom of the Supporter Shield table, bottom of the East with a negative 24 goal differential, which we'll, I would make fun of, but uh, we've seen we've been way there. worse. We'll, pre- we'll preview that game on <laughs> Yes. Um, it's a uh, seven hour, seven and a half hour drive. Oh, I can't go. Don't make me. <laughs> <laughs> they also have direct flights. I still can't go. I know. No, I looked it up. It's it's rather expensive right now to fly. Um, still, I still also, might be worth it. I don't know. If I'm, before I'm, before we get into further, like, shield yeah. kind of talk. Um, now that we've played thirty points, okay, thirty games, yeah. 30 games, uh, we can officially say that we've had a better 30-game season than the Columbus Crew's 57 points in their best-ever season. Nice. Which also means that FC Cincinnati has had a better season this year than Columbus Crew has ever had in their 27-year history. So you're talking that this is the best season of soccer a team from Ohio has ever played. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Now feels good. Is there and and maybe this is what you're you're referring to. I know there was like a points per game metric that we were trying to beat. I don't know if I th- oh, if we get to 65. Oh. If we okay. get to 65, then we've beaten the crew's best points per game. Um, okay. From uh, like our early season where they were playing not nearly as many. Nice. Yeah, well, no, it was their 50, when they got 57 over 30. Oh, 57 but, over but 30. It's, but see. it's like, yeah, we've had 62 over 30, but our denominator is going to be 34. Gotcha. So we just need a couple more points. Okay. Okay. So one win clinches a whole lot. The Supporter Shield, sure, whatever. But we beat the Columbus Crew's best points per game total. <laughs> and then somebody, the real trophy. <laughs> and then, yeah, somebody, you know, Came at me on Twitter and like that tweet when I tweeted it out, that was just for FC Cincinnati fans. That wasn't for fans of other teams. Right. It's not um, your content. And yet, 
and yet they feel the need to, you know, get up in there. Um, first of all, um, I don't give a shit about wooden spoons. Just yeah. another year you didn't make the playoffs. Yeah. Yep. Columbus Crew have missed the playoffs three times. They missed the playoffs last year. Right. We all know if you ain't first, um, you're last. So everyone exactly. wins. The, everyone has won the wooden spoon if you don't win the shield or the tro- or the cup. If you don't make the playoffs, it was a wasted season. Yeah. Right. Okay. Um, second of all, we have been in the league five years. The Columbus Crew did not win their first trophy in MLS. We've said it before, but it bears repeating until their seventh season. All right. It's pretty good if we can. I, like, it's a foregone conclusion, but it, you can't. <laughs> so, uh, but. Can I, I'll ask the question yeah. I asked to Tommy G to the group here collectively. Please. Is there a small part of you that hopes they don't win the shield on the road? Or do you just Whoa. want to win it? I, I want, want to be guaranteed a celebration yeah. on 10 4. I want. The celebration, and I really need, and I may be alone in this, I really need Jeff Birding to give me a We Got More Winning to Do Part 2 speech. So if we could just get that, that would be lovely. This was the more winning we did. <laughs> I told we, you we all, did it. we had more winning to do, and See? we have done more winning. <laughs> uh, promises made, promises kept. Promises kept. <laughs> no, they just need to... In the Bailey unveil a mission accomplished banner. <laughs> <laughs> Hashtag we got more winning to do or, or whatever the initialism is there. What's, yeah. what's the what's the I've never even had to think about this. Do you do you touch the supporter shield or is it like the AFC championship trophy where you don't celebrate that as much because you've got to win the cup? It doesn't matter. No, you way. do touch the supporter shield trophy. You, it's its own trophy. Yes, you've you've won it. It's not like I was blown away by the fact that the NFL does like divisional round trophies. And I kind of see like the conference ones because they used to represent different leagues, I guess, in some way. But yeah. What yeah, do you do? Do, we put a ba- do you put a banner up for the supporter shield? Yep. Uh, yeah. Philly has one for their supporter shield. And they also have one for Open last year's Cup? Eastern Conference champion. That's oh, lame. Weird. I That's don't think you. Move. I I don't think you put up a banner for conference champion. I do think you put up a banner. I I think it's fine that Philly has a banner up for supporter shield. Do so you? We're, we're one win away from getting a banner raising ceremony next year. Yeah. 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 That's kind of cool. Do you? <laughs> I mean, I know it's celebrating like a loss, basically. But would you rather have a conference champion or a finalist? Like MLS finals, two thousand whatever. I'd rather make the finals than win the than win the conference championship. I think well, the only regular season. Oh, uh, oh, they're they got it for like the overall table. So like, if you win the East and then lose in the first round, I was thinking like they won. Oh, I guess I didn't. I guess I don't know what they meant because they yeah. they won the Eastern Conference last year and also but, made but didn't win the shield the, because the finals but they didn't yeah. win the shield cuz LAFC won both. So yeah. what do they what do they put the banner up for? Is it for not winning the shield or not winning MLS cup? <laughs> yeah, I don't know, one or the other. Right. Right. That's interesting. Which yeah. of these two Johns is true? <laughs> like I don't mind like he made it to the cup final. Like that feels fair. I don't know about celebrating a I semifinal, don't know. I don't, but I don't like it. 
I think you put up you put up wins. Yeah. Um, I don't mind like acknowledging that you yeah. won the Eastern Conference, like saying like, oh, good, good job, guys. Yeah, well done. But <laughs> like literally an a handshake. Well done. <laughs> yeah, nice. Um, I do. I I am curious to see how the club will will I don't know display this like banner. Obviously, is great. Be very curious, like if they have plans on where that goes. Um, but yeah, like I really like the idea of TQL Stadium having like not necessarily a museum, but like some piece of like where the history is. And I know the USL trophies over at uh, Mercy Health Training Center or whatever, and that's fine. I would really like some piece of this to be in the stadium. I don't know. If there is hardware, I'd really like for it to be in the stadium somewhere. Or at the very least, like across the street as part of that like development that they're doing. Yeah. Like to have like a team hall of fame or something like that or a team... Yeah, I don't know. So there's got to be room something there to they show up your history. At least for a period of time, they should put the supporter shield. Maybe this would be too hard to like monitor, but it'd be neat if they had the supporter shield like in that new team store on Vine Street. Yeah, and you could like walk up into the store and see it. That'd be cool. Would love that. I know the uh, the USL regular season title made its way back to. Uh, Ladder 19, I think. So yeah. is the shield like raised? Can you drink a beer out of the shield? No, it's a plate. Yeah, it's like there's a, like a, does it have edges where at least you oh. can like, like a like a cat might drink yeah. milk out of a saucer. Yeah. Because really that's the only that's the only criteria I have for if a trophy's worth a damn is can you drink a beer out of it? I mean, we could probably dent it and make it make it a, a bowl like structure. Uh um, you you it does look it is raised. Because here's a, I, I'm looking at a picture of Matt Turner holding it up by the raised edges. Then so we need, we need yeah, to drink out could, of this. You could pour, <laughs> you could pour, you could pour something in there. Yeah, for sure. Wow. Can you believe oh, shit. The we're having these conversations? To, this is fucking cool. <laughs> the supporter shield used to be like a like an actual trophy. And then they moved to a plate at some point. It's like a plate with the logo from the old like Pontiac car brand on it, right? Oh, the, yeah. The plate has the shape of the original trophy in the center. That's funny. Yeah. Anyway. So it's like this quasi, um, it looks quasi like a combination between Pontiac and the Space Force a little bit. <laughs> anyway, this is, this is the game where I said FC Cincinnati finally became president. <laughs> this is it this is the moment um yeah pretty incredible we get champions cup soccer coming to uh i would not i would i would like champions cup soccer don't get me wrong mm -hmm. it would feel a little less sweet if it wasn't if we had gotten like if we gotten there the way philly did yeah. Third place in League's Cup. Right, right. Right. <laughs> it, it, it. Second place in the conference or whatever. Yeah. Right. Um, w But Supporter Shield, that's an honest way. Yes. That's on it's honest, honest work. That's a that's a clean way to do it. Um, I posed this hypothetical in the Discord, and I'm I'm curious which way you guys would fall on this. I assume I know the answer. Uh, right at this point in the season, would I uh would you take not winning the supporter shield, whatever that looks like, which right now feels very oh difficult God. to get. 
<laughs> in exchange for a one goal lead at halftime of MLS Cup final. Easy no for me. No. No. Give me give me the give me the share trophy. Yeah. I'll take our chances in MLS Cup. Yeah. I'd trade the shield for MLS Cup. Just straight up. Got, you, okay. Straight up. But you'd have to guarantee me MLS Cup. Okay. Yep. I'm not I I have no, I've been at too many games <laughs> where we've been up 2-0 and haven't been able to seal the goddamn deal. No. Yeah, I give you a two-goal lead in the 67th. No, right. That goes from a, a hard no to a fuck no then at that point. I would so I I would negotiate I, I think I think League's Cup would have been negotiable. Mm. I may you may be able to talk me to a scenario where I trade League's Cup for like a two goal lead at halftime okay. of MLS Cup. But I don't think I would trade the Supporter Shield or US Open Cup for just a lead. For just a lead. Yeah. No. At MLS Cup. But at you halftime. would both you would both trade Unless it's like five goals. Okay, fair. <laughs> uh, but you would both trade uh supporter shield for MLS Cup. You both think MLS Cup is the better one to win all day, every day. You don't put I, a star over your badge for for supporter shield. I I do want the star above the badge. However, it's pretty cool. I think I think your first is your favorite. So, um, <laughs> so um, you know, I'm, I I don't think I would. I'm not sure. Because I think I think there's a lot to be said for gutting out a full season, yeah, and going through international windows and gosh injuries and everything, and saying, yeah, we all played 34 games. We had, I know it's not balanced schedules, <laughs> but like we played a lot of Western Conference playoff teams. Yeah, you know, like. It's I think funny. There's, there's there's so much to be said for going through a 34 game season and saying like yes we were emphatically the best team over the over the full course of that yeah. season you know um but having one but if we win the supporter shield this year I'll go out on the limb and predict that we will brave um, man. whoa I'm I'm going to want the next thing. Like yeah. right. if you ask if 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 we win supporter shield this year and then next year you ask me that question <laughs> I would trade MLS Cup for supporter shield after having already won supporter shield. See, I was wondering about this as well. Like next year like I almost don't want to win supporter shield. I want us to focus on something else whether that be the Get open champions cup league. or champions Dude. league or leagues cup even or whatever like let's go win something else and yeah if we're rotating that the open cup is the big one for me if we're rotating next year to keep the league standings up at a detriment to the open cup way out <laughs> like we've seen usl teams bounce mls teams like i don't care who we're playing we need to be trying for for a trophy there i think i think tommy g was right that you know teams like philly and seattle well seattle you know should not have fallen that far right right, right. 
but like let's say you're let's say you're LEFC, right? And LEFC made the finals yeah. of um of Champions League. They're sitting what second in the West, I think. Yeah. Yes. And they're way out of the supporter shield race. Yeah. They Not did even, the right thing. Yeah. yeah. They did the right thing. They did. I think, uh, where, I'm at right, I think where I'm at right now is that uh, I would trade Supporter Shield for MLS Cup, but then the second we win it, I will go absolutely to the mat <laughs> uh, defending the, the Supporter Shield as the better of the two trophies, <laughs> and that your MLS Cup winner is a fraud if they also didn't win Supporter Shield. That it's not so much that not winning MLS Cup after winning Shield is the disappointment. It's really it's winning MLS Cup without having the shield, you're just a fraud champion if you don't win both. Yeah. Well, like NYCFC, for example, is a total fraud champion. Yes. It's like like uh, Philly got COVID <laughs> right. before the Eastern Conference Finals. <laughs> like any team that wins MLS Cup that's not FC Cincinnati this year, they're just frauds because they were not the better team. The better team didn't win. We have demonstrative proof of who the best team is. So if anyone other than FC Cincinnati wins MLS Cup, you can say the best team didn't win. Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's very uh, hard to say the best team didn't finish first after 34 games. Right. Yes. And it's like not particularly close. <laughs> like, yeah, we're we're, you know, playing out these scenarios. But like the math bears it out that it would take an, an extreme catastrophic event to to knock us off course here. Um, glancing over at the Western table, another team that that took a slightly different approach to the uh, to the year, <clears throat> an Open Cup finalist, Houston Dynamo, a team that I know gracing you've been. I told high you, on. I told you, Houston was good. That you've been high on. I I. We were high on RSL during the uh, the League's Cup. Uh, Seattle Sounders, who we beat at home very early in the season, third in uh, the West. Houston Dynamo in fourth. So they turns could out very that Houston well... win in Week One, two to one, was actually a pretty damn good win, as it turns out. Yeah, and that Seattle win, like, <laughs> felt like two weeks later. Is <laughs> also nice. We beat uh, three of the top seven. Yeah. In the West. Yeah. Tied Vancouver. Yeah. Was seventh. And then yeah. lost to St. Louis in, you know. Inexplicable fashion. I'll I'll chalk that up to a weather rain delay. Yeah. I mean, if that. Parametric pressure. Projecting way too much into the future. But if that's the, if that's the MLS Cup final, I am very confident going into that one. We, so speaking of balanced schedule, right? Yeah. We played six Western Conference teams. Is that yeah. right? Uh, feels right. Five, six, yeah. Um, five of those are currently top seven in the wow. Western Conference. Wow. Man. Got it done. I mean, you can't say they didn't earn it. If they win it on right. Wednesday, if they win it on Saturday, you can't say they didn't earn it. Yep. Yeah, be one well, I'm thing. I'm excited if... already. I can't wait for Saturday. <laughs> it I might feels drive good. To, I might drive to this game. I don't know. <laughs> It'd be fun. I it mean, it would be fun. Oh yeah. shit! If there's a, there actually is a scenario. Oh, where I go to this game Saturday. 
Tell me more. Oh. We'll, we'll talk. We'll talk about it after. <laughs> All right. <laughs> I just I just realized that there is like a thing that could it could get you there. That that could that could free up my weekend. But <laughs> let's talk about it uh, off the Grayson. I just don't get a divorce over this. You know, there will be other opportunities to watch to watch your team. <laughs> and now here's the devil on your shoulder. All the Molson and Labatt you can drink in a weekend. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. Um, yeah. No, I think that does it for a. Uh, for a postcast, um, yeah, just a hell of a a hell of a time to be a fan, huh? Who who'd have thought, huh? Just just a couple of years ago, this this team was uh, not in years, this position. Yeah, just a couple of years ago, we were just bitching on Twitter about how angry everything was, and now now we've got a podcast with a dozen listeners. We gave away or are giving away a gift card for empanadas. We are gave one away, and folks who have listened to this part of the podcast have definitely heard the opportunity to win another one. So there we go. Look at us. How about us? Who would have thought (laughs) on that note, chief, get us out of here. Fuck Columbus. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Cincy Postcast, which is a production of The Post Cincy. You can check us out at thepostcincy.com for all of our written content, as well as links to our social media. You can follow us on Twitter, and as well, you can join us on our Discord server. You can find links to that server both in this episode description as well as on our website. That is where most of our conversations are going on. We have a lovely community there talking about FC Cincinnati, MLS, anything and everything else and everything in between. We also want to give a huge thanks to Jim Trace and the Makers for providing all of the music you've heard throughout this episode. They're an amazing local Cincinnati band. Again, more information about them is in the description of this episode. And if you enjoyed what you listened to, You've made it to the end, so I'm going to assume you liked it or you just can't reach your stop button. Please like us, review us, subscribe to us wherever you are getting your podcast. That is going to be really, really helpful. But more importantly, share this with a friend. A personal recommendation helps sped a podcast so much further. So please share this if you know somebody in your life who's an FC Cincinnati fan, an MLS fan, somebody that you think would enjoy this, pass it on over. Thank you so, so much again for listening. It blows me away that people continue to listen to us. And thank you so, so much again.